Halloween 2152. Climate change has destroyed the planet. Greta Thunbergertron has taken control of the entire human-occupied zone, and her army of resurrected dinosaurs have demanded that all human architecture be surrendered to the Meta-State. Far off in the dark zone known as the American Midwest, only one building is spared from this fate, a mysterious history lab inherited by the only surviving line of the trillion dollar we talk about dead people fortune. You always said this place was special, Grandpa, but I just can't imagine history being important. Everyone knows that the cyber commies banned podcasting after the Harambe War of 2025, and now with my robot job being taken by an ethereal spirit demon immigrant from the planet Zoltrag, who knows what I'm going to do? I hope I can make you proud, Gramps. Welcome back to the History Lab, my This place is an absolute mess! There's like three inches of dust on everything! Hey, who are you? Oh, don't mind me. I'm just the janitor here. I don't remember Grandpa saying anything about a janitor. And if you're the janitor, what on earth have you been doing? This room alone looks like it got hit with a Zucker nuke. It did. Fifty years ago, Galactic Chancellor Mark Zuckerberg singled out this exact location for a cyber dust attack. I guess, all things considered, it doesn't look too bad after all. Also, I took a really long break. Time seems to pass differently here. As though it became unstuck in time. Like in that old book, Slaughterhouse 5. Slaughterhouse? How do you know about all these old things? Learning was banned by the Gates Foundation. I learned a lot of things in this old lab. Something about the place just seems haunted with an old story of humanity. Oh. Speaking of haunting, your grandfather left you something. What's this? This looks like a script. My grandpa never wrote any scripts. It's not a script. It's not a script. What? What? But it looks just like one. What do you mean it's not a script? It's a long story. If you got a minute, I'll tell you all about it. Well, I do have a holographic haptic virtual Zoom call with my green energy vertical garden commune in a few hours. Plenty of time. Computer, bring up that old couple, Ed and Lorraine Warren. It's time to get spooky. <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right. Like <laughs> yeah. I did realize mostly towards like halfway through reading, it's not a script, and I ended up playing it's not a script again, reading it. It's actually, it's a uh, not script. <laughs> I know, it makes no sense. Well, would you look at that? A flat picture and not a 3D body and smello scan. How times have changed from the 2020s to the cyber future. Not that I'd know anything since history learning was banned. So then, Aaron, what do you see on your screen there? Well, I see two, um, upper middle-aged slash boomer-age looking people. One of them is, uh, a man, and the other appears to be a woman, though we can't be sure. Um, and there's uh, several plants in the background. Um, I don't know if they're actually 
involved in any of the spooky stuff that we're going to be talking about today, but I'm not going to worry about it. And there is a third character as well, outside of the uh, the two here. There is a giant pumpkin behind them, what appears to be the man. Um, the, the guy is kind of simpering. He's like looking at you like you don't know shit, and he's going to make sure you don't know shit. Um, they both look like they have lots of secrets that they're hiding. Um, and the giant pumpkin behind them does, does not help the whole vibe. It, it definitely feels very, very, very mysterious. Who are these people? That would be Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, God. Are you ready for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> they are more known for the characters in the Conjuring movies and the universe of that whole thing, but they're actually more famous for their ghost hunting in the U.S. and part of the rest of the world. That sounds perfect for, uh, for this Halloween season to be talking about a couple of dead ghost hunters, don't you think? <laughs> well, I definitely convenient. do. Yeah. Awfully convenient. So, <clears throat> let me just, by way of introducing this, like, let's put all the sketch stuff aside. Everybody, this is my, my buddy Daniel. He's guest appearing on We Talk About Dead People to talk about a spooky topic, and he's been researching his ass off for this um, for several months now, just to be ready for, to appear on the podcast and uh, <laughs> talk about this Ed and Lorraine Warren couple. Uh, so I hope you'll give him your full attention as we, <laughs> as we tear into this story because he has given me a couple of spoilers and I've only seen one Conjuring movie, um, and I'm still stunned by everything I hear. So, uh, with that, I think, uh, I think we should just jump right into the script. What do you think? Oh yeah, I'm so ready, but okay. I've actually never seen the movies. So <laughs> really? <laughs> I have no knowledge of what goes on in the movies. Um, I've seen parts of them. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be great, because yeah. honestly, the movies don't matter in this, because they're so far off. The, yeah, As well, much as they market it as if they are part of it, like, they are almost spot on, like, there's a good chunk of stuff that does not even exist in them, so if, just forget about the movies <laughs> going I, I think forward from here. probably the real-life story, we've discovered this on the show many times, the real-life story is uh, way weirder than whatever makes it into the movies, so... I guess oh, I, definitely. I, uh, the books are kind of close because it's mostly off of what they, you know, had went through. But yeah, even then they're pretty exaggerated. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm prepared to get blown away into the astral realm with this one. So I hope you brought your big guns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Aaron, before we start. I just want to say that, you know, we'll be talking about the movies probably a little bit throughout it. It's just going to be a little later. It just doesn't really play a big role in more of, of like, all the good actual juicy parts of the story are left out from the movies and actually kind of just fabricated because, you know, Hollywood, they got to make money, so they're going to do that anyways. So we're going to kind of forget about it, about it and put them on the back burner. They're not really a part of this at all. Ed Warren was born in Bridgeport, Connecticut on December 5th, uh, 1926, and Lorraine was also born in Bridgeport, Connecticut, but just about a year later. She was born in January 31st of 1927. What? So is that actually a year later, or just like a, like a month later? Because they Most like, if like from Wikipedia and a bunch of other places, they always put it like a year later, only because technically, if you looked at it, it's just the year, it is a year later. But it really probably is, yeah, a couple months. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia is really, just... It's really close. <laughs> yeah. 
they were born basically on top of one another. This is what I'm pretty much. <laughs> My favorite part is how they actually fall in love with each other, but we'll get to that. Okay, okay. And so, Ed Warren was born. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm going backwards here. So tell us but, about. Uh, yeah. Ed and his family lived in a big house, you know, rented by uh, an unmarried landlady who was just not a, not approving of dogs or any kind of pets. They, she didn't even like children, Ugh. even though she was one herself at one point oh. <laughs> and was always throwing stuff at them in annoyance. So, like, she'd probably just grab, like, a spoon in the kitchen or something or some, like, shoes and just chuck them at the family, you know, pretty much telling them that they're worthless and get the heck out of here. You know, there's, where's my money kind of thing? There's nothing worse than a hypocritical landlady who hates children, despite having been one herself at one time. What a hypocrite. <laughs> it was like five when he saw his actually first apparition. It was like right after the landlady had passed away and some old new landlord had bought it, you know, and they were still living there. And what he had saw was like, it was the old lady when he was in his bed sleeping. He saw this like globe of like a light, right? Mm. And it was, like, morphing into, like, almost a person, and he could see it. And what he saw happened to be the landlady with the still soured face on her. And she, probably still trying to throw stuff at him because yeah, she I was gonna say, did definitely she throw like disliked a, him. Did she throw, like, a ghastly shoe in his direction or something? Speculation is that the <laughs> shoes and the spoons and the wooden spoons and anything she could get in her hand was being thrown like an old Italian lady who was mad. So this is a good start. <laughs> It's, it's so good. Don't worry. It gets way off the rails later. <laughs> I'm ready. You know, people who also don't know what a ghost apparition is or netherworld nards, you know, globules, all that fun stuff. My favorite is netherworld nards, though. <laughs> I heard another podcaster call it that, and I've from that point on, I've absolutely loved it. So an apparition, though, is like uh, in the spiritual world is like a, almost the appearance of a dead person or an animal, something like a living thing that used to be. Within our universe, as you would put it, uh, basically it looks like a shape of an orb or a circle floating mm. around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've seen pictures of these, but I always thought they were like dust or whatever. Now, yeah, it's pretty much what people's like. It looks like on most cameras when you see it, it's like mostly you'll see like little balls of like floating around. That usually is dust. It's particles of dust. Right. But depending on the size and the way people claim that most because the camera way hits effect hits the dust that makes that effect. Some of it's kind of odd the way it floats around. You kind of got to distinguish between the two because there's some that's like almost like a I put as UFOs back in the day of like my grandpa would be like, he's never seen a plane go from like Mach 5 and then instantly go a 90 degree angle down. Ah, yes. <laughs> that's kind of like the way you can picture these things floating around. They move quick and then they zip it in a way that dust really doesn't make sense for it to float that way. Interesting. And this is what he was seeing, but it was just an old lady. <laughs> Yeah, because what happened was it was a ball like that and then just slowly morphed into her head, basically. Oh. (laughs) Face. Like, he would see her face is what he was explaining. And that's why. And she had the still the sour look that he had seen (laughs) years before. It's like a a bad Zoom call. You start it up and you're just looking at a blob of color and then it slowly, slowly turns into high quality video and you see this face just glowering at you. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Well... Uh, pretty much during all that, Ed would also go to his father and telling him, hey, you know, I'm seeing these things. And his dad would be like, yeah, that's garbage. Right. <laughs> like but uh, no, dad. his dad, that was pretty much yeah, what his dad kind of would just tell him. But uh, what he really would is uh, Ed would tell his father, the state trooper and a devoted Catholic, 
that he would hear these footsteps and the doors opening, closets closing uh, by themselves, as well his dad would tell him that there's always the logical explanation for what is happening in this house. Gotcha. So his dad knew that there was a mathematical structure to this whole paranormal thing. Yep. And then his dad would go upstairs, come back down pale as a ghost and have no answer for it. <laughs> no, no, but his dad would never really have an actual answer for why any of these things were happening, supposedly. Huh. Unfortunately, I really, we don't really know much about his dad or anything too about like what goes on in the house yeah. fully because he doesn't really talk. Ed and, their, and his dad don't really talk about it. And I actually couldn't find anything on their father or their mother. Huh. Uh, that's... Other than that, the, like a little bit that the mom, I I don't know if I actually, I don't think I have it put in this, but I know the mom, I guess, was a drunk. Oh, God. Had a problem with alcohol. And then again, if Ed was complaining all the time about seeing ghosts and as a child and just getting annoyed with it, I may be hitting the sauce a little bit, pretty much getting tired of hearing the same stupid ghost story. Yeah. It probably is just a draft or closets getting catching the door. Like, you know, if you have one door closed and then the other door is like just gets that suction where it gets pulled. Yeah. It's possible, you know, that's what he was experiencing. That and kids see things all the time. I'd be getting a little annoyed myself if every single day he was coming up to me saying, hey, my closet it keeps closing. There's doors opening. I'm hearing footsteps throughout the house. It's an old house. It's going to make noises. Right, right. And there's, there's a monster under the bed, Dad. Uh-huh. Okay, son. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know for sure about his mom or dad. Same thing with uh, Lorraine's mom and dad. They're... Not there's really nothing on them. I could I got other people with the last name Warren that had no connection to them. And so I was like, all right, <laughs> and just kept moving on. So you really don't know much about his dad or anything like that, other than just pretty much that he was a state trooper and very much a Catholic. That's about it. Now, were they? Uh, you said the landlady was Italian. Was Warren or Ed Italian too, or? Um, I don't think they were. I okay. want to say they're, I know Lorraine was an Irish lady. I still want to say that maybe Ed was probably, I would say maybe Italian, if anything. Okay. But it, I, I'm not sure. I didn't see really anything other than, because also in articles I've also seen, they would say that either they're a Christian or Catholic, but I saw them more Catholic. So I was like, all right, they got to be Catholic if I'm seeing that. But okay. then again, Christian and Catholic are very, very close. Just one's a little bit. As I was always told, is strict, stricter, which was Catholic. Yeah, and a little bit more some, into it. Sometimes Catholics will just will just um, use it interchangeably. Um, yeah, and really hardcore Catholics um, just consider Catholic and Christian to basically be the same thing. Uh, but you know, hey, we don't have our resident Catholic here right now. He's probably teaching a class or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been really nice to kind of get some clarification on that. But. Okay. Well, it's all good. I was just curious because there were there were like little pockets of immigrants in America all all the time, and um, yeah. if it was if his landlady was Italian, it's possible that the whole community was Italian. You know what I mean? Like that's how it was back in the day. So I'm just curious. Yeah, sure. I'm just curious. Total aside. I would. I want to say I'm gonna assume maybe he was and okay. his family was, but I know for sure the uh, rain wasn't because she, later she would use her Irish charm to sell paintings. <laughs> and that's how I found that out. And he always says that. So I want to say she's definitely Irish. <laughs> okay. Okay. Awesome. But yeah, most of the time, Ed would actually spend his time outside in the freezing rain and bad weather because he just didn't want to be in the house. It was just not fun for him. So then again, if if anything was, if that was stuff he was seeing was true, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be in there either. <laughs> <And he's gone. laughs> You'd be like, later, I'm out of here. This is not fun. I am gone. 
I'm not the one of those like, you know, typical white people that like, we got to go and investigate what's going on. If I hear a bump in the night, I'm like, yeah, I want to live. She's <laughs> death here. I'm out. You're telling me you wouldn't get the night vision camera and the whole crew and go record yourself talking to an electronic box in the dark and make a television show about it? Dude, I would love to. I mean, I mean, I would love to do it, but at the same time, I know exactly as soon as I heard something, drop me the equipment, we're leaving, we're done. I don't care. We're not packing anything up. I don't care. We're gone. Fair enough. So this is like the perfect project for you to be researching the paranormal from the safety of the internet. Oh, yeah. I'd love... I'd, I love the paranormal. I love watching that stuff. And I'm always sitting there going and like, I watch like uh paranormal witness and uh, haunting, which is like eyewitness accounts of what happens mm-hmm. in like those kind of houses and insane. I'm like thinking, and I'm sitting on the couch. Why are you still there? <laughs> why were you still being there? Who would bother with this? I'd be like, I'm leaving. Sell so the house. We're done. <laughs> you're officially an armchair ghostbuster. <laughs> ba- yeah, pretty much. Like I'm happy sitting here at the safety of my house, just <laughs> reading and learning all about it. And watching clips on YouTube or on TikTok or whatever, just to get an idea of what it's like to be living with the paranormal, but I will not physically want to go and do it. <laughs> so we feel Maybe bad stay in for a haunted Ed. hotel, but at least I know I will be leaving. <laughs> <laughs> right. Checking out. Um, it's different when you're buying a place and you're stuck there, and then you're like, well, now I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, that would be this the the there was a whole movie. I know you didn't see the movies, but one of them was basically a family bought a house and then found out it was haunted, and then they tried to move out. <laughs> so um, I can't remember which one that was, though. Anyway, we're getting really off track here. It's all my it fault. So roll is back onto the tracks. Let, let's get let's get back let's get back into the not script here. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, when Ed was twelve, is him him and his family ended up moving out of the house. You know, just natural causes because. Uh, let's see. Just got a little too weird. Yeah, kind of, but it was more of a. They had like they come to they had came to terms with what was going on in the house anyways, so mm-hmm. it just kind of led to him being more fueled to actually kind of look into what this was like the paranormal was about mm-hmm. and wanting to like investigate and confront it. Right. So this is like he's so, starting to discover that this is his this is going to be part of his journey through this this mortal coil. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like it's oh. just something that he's like always fueled his like the fire from of wanting to know more about what this is like what is life after death was always something on his mind interesting of wanting to know but, interesting but yeah now we're gonna like do just a quick run through of lorraine only because she and him are kind of more and when they get together they're just the story kind of just twines together with them so like they're not really apart there's like mm. a couple cases that they don't really work together in but that's because ed's going off and doing something solo for an experiment and then that's it but for the most part she's always there on each of the cases with him yeah but, uh lorraine warren was born in uh january 31st a couple months later as you kind of <laughs> talked about but uh in 1927 she attended uh it was a catholic school for girls uh it was a school nearby the where she lived and uh at a young age at 12 she had discovered that she had a gift it was called uh clairvoyance Mm, clairvoyance huh that's pretty interesting it was like what it was was like he's seeing that there's a paranormal vision of object events places and people that are not visible through normal sight basically like almost like she what she described she could see like an aura kind of like if you would look at like um the pictures you just see you would see of like jesus and mary they have that halo above them kind of like that glowing aura behind them almost all the time huh you've ever seen those like all like the old paintings and stuff you'll see like that glow around them 
always oh, yeah. when their hands are out. That kind of that's exactly what it would be as the way I would look at it. So she's she basically sees people's like whether they're shining or not. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, like they're <laughs> bright, their aura, how bright of like kind of like with their natural, like I want their supernatural being part of it. Like you just have this bright aura. The, the brighter I want to say, the more in touch with like the sixth sense I would put as maybe you are. Oh, interesting. the way I could find and kind of describe it. But yeah, that's what she would see. Um, she would go on to tell a uh, uh, fellow nun that uh, that the mother superior aura isn't as bright as this other nun's. I see. And uh, the nuns did not like that. <laughs> right. A hundred percent didn't like that. Uh, and so what happened was uh, they ended up saying, yeah, you cannot, we cannot have you talking about this. It kind of sound a little crazy. And they ended up just sending her off to basically be a babysitter for a while. And she wasn't allowed to go outside and play or anything. Um, she was just kind of like, you're going to sit here, pray. You don't get to go and do anything. You're 12 years old. We know you want to go outside and do stuff. But since you said that, we got to make an example out of you to keep your mouth shut about it. Right. <laughs> you're broken at 12. Kind of like almost. <laughs> yeah. They kind of looked at her a little. I probably looked at her a little weird because it's like, who really just goes up and says that to somebody out of nowhere? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess. It, I mean, it's so funny that it would be nuns that would be like, yeah. So the halo thing, it's more of a, it's more of a, uh. It's more symbolic than real. <laughs> it is funny, though. Because yeah, the way they looked at it is they depicted it as more of a sinful thing. Right. That she was able to see these things. Almost like, because I guess, she because she never thought it was un, like not normal. She thought this was what everybody saw. So pre- they pretty typical. From the eyes of the nuns, that. they probably thought this was like, oh, man, this is the mark of like the demon kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not natural. <laughs> well, we did an episode about... Uh, the nuns of Ludon. Um, and the nuns all got convinced that they were being possessed by demons and they were working with Astaroth to like bring in the end of the oh, world. Oh, yeah, I know yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The n- nuns are. Let's just say they. Be- they, they <laughs> that's, I will not make any. I will not make any blanket claims about all nuns, but they're best in sound of music most of the time. <laughs> I would say pretty much, yeah. That and they do. Some of them do have some really like warm hearts, and then they're willing to help people in need and things like that. But some of them are very, very strict. <laughs> I, I knew a guy growing up who uh, he he grew up with a bunch of nuns, and um, they would uh, they had this thing that they would do where they would creep around the uh, the home at night with a devil mask on, and they would like peek in the windows and scare the children, and that's how they kept them in line. True story. I knew this guy. He was a trucker. Um, you know, but hey, there's, you know, it's like weirder, weirder things have happened. And, and, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard my share of weird stories from, from Protestants as well. So it's just, people do weird shit. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't really doubt it, honestly. It wouldn't surprise me. So if she's starting to be able to see people shining and they're, they're putting her out, out, outside, that kind of puts her in the same sort of, uh, court as, as Ed, you know, it's just like this social isolation because they can see things allegedly that others cannot see. Yeah, um, pretty much. Basically just telling, you know, that this isn't normal. You know, you need to stop it mm-hmm. and just kind of push her on her way. But most of the time she spent it in just silence and just telling her she needs to pray, pray and silence and don't talk to anybody. You're not allowed to do anything until you kind of get this out of your head, basically. Yeah, it's kind of like um, X-Men or something like that. Pretty much. All right. Let's get back on track now. But, uh, yeah, so pretty much that's all we really need to know about her. That's, like, the most, like, 
on-point thing we have to know because she uses that ability later to help her with like finding out like what kind of ghost is haunting a house or what they what they're doing or if they're demonic or anything like that able to kind of sense those things mm-hmm. so that's the only reason why we really need to know a little that much about her the rest of it is just garbage so it's really not much about them it's they really there isn't really much on who they were when they're growing up through the years of their childhood right it's just like these are just some of the major key details that they have written out but that's about pretty much it so the point basically is that they both got started early this was with them their their whole lives interesting yeah it's like a lot of the stuff was within their whole lives she lorraine actually goes on to say that she was a skeptic uh, for like her whole life interesting (laughs) she actually never believed it until she met ed and she kind of got forced into going to these places and started feeling things because of her that clairvoyance ability she has Mm -hmm. and then she kind of started moving towards like being all right something may be possible but that's i mean she could be lying too there is a good chance (laughs) we'll find out later because some of the stuff they go through just it seems astronomical of non-belief Gotcha. In the way they do it. So, but uh, yeah. So then Lorraine and uh, Ed met each other at the Colonial Theater in Bridgeport. Uh, if I remember, Ed was actually a like, what, what's it called? Those guys who hold, hold doors and stuff. And the doorman. The <laughs> no, there was an actual like uh, an usher. An usher. He okay. would like he would actually go and help people do seats and do that kind of stuff. Okay. He was working there. Yeah, when he was a kid. Um, I want to say they're around the age of. 15 and i want to say i think she was 14 at the time gotcha uh so when they met she thought uh he had really nice shoes when he first met him and he was a really nice young man and that from that point on she knew that this was the man she was going to marry oh that's so cute <laughs> i know it's really different than hearing things from today you know how we meet people now most of the time is people just open up their phone looking at you know tender and then just going oh, this girl looks hot <laughs> <laughs> You know, just, you know, a little bit of that, you know, the, the meet me kind of things, you know, that's pretty much, you know, like that. It's not like where it was back in the day where they'd be like, just meet somebody and they look at their shoes and look at them and how nicely dressed they were. And they're like, oh, really nice young man. I really think he's going to be the one for me. Yeah, there's a little more human magic in there, I think. Yeah, I will definitely say that throughout all this and it could be fake, but hit her and him, they both have that kind of like really chemistry of they really do truly love each other. And you can yeah. kind of tell that. So even if they're in a scam together, at least they're they're together. Yeah, I would definitely <laughs> say probably one of the biggest charlatans in ghost hunting history. Yes. Or or they're both just super magical and they could see things that we can't see because, you know, we weren't born to see the shining. But well, one of them would see the things. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about learning with their clear voids here. Yeah. She's the only one that could see these things. Yeah. <laughs> right. But hey, Aaron, guess what? Oh. What? Just guess. Uh, it's, what time are we going to? What year is it now? Oh, guess. it's nineteen. Nineteen oh eleven. No, no, nineteen forty-three. What happened in nineteen forty-three? I think the world was at peace or something like that. I could be wrong. <laughs> we are in, entering now World War Two, guys. You ready oh. for some more of that? Oh my god! <laughs> you can never get away from it on this show. No, you can't. It's always it's World War I or World War II. It's always World War II. Why is it always World War II? Because that's when history started, man. The Earth is only like 100 <laughs> years old. <laughs> Pretty much. Always World War II. Uh. But yes, now the year is 1943. It is uh, Ed's 17th birthday, by the way, and he oh. was uh, enlisted into the U.S. Navy. Nice. 
a few months later, uh, his ship was attacked, or not really attacked, it was kind of an accidental thing that happened. They collided with an oil tanker in the middle of the Atlantic. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> so so I just kind of want to know, it's like the it's like the Titanic all over again, you know, captain not paying attention or something and slammed into like a freaking iceberg. Yeah, in this I mean, case, their captain wasn't paying attention and slammed into an oil tanker. You're on the ocean. Like, how does that happen? Like, you're just sailing along. It's just water. And then suddenly you crash into an oil tanker? Um, yeah, okay. and you know the best part? It erupted in fire. No. <laughs> <laughs> it exploded. Oh, oh my <laughs> so, God. Uh, yeah, it pretty much it exploded. And all the men uh, on the ship had to jump off into the water. You know, cold, icy waters, oh, by the way. <laughs> Oof. Uh, he had prayed for help and uh, soon was rescued. But he actually, he once he got into the water, he ended up actually grabbing a guy and pulling him to safety on like some of the wreckage. Wow! And saved a man's life while he was down in the icy waters, trying to keep warm and just praying to God that somebody will come to help him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, after that experience, he had to return home and ask Lorraine to marry him, which I don't doubt. You know, I don't blame him. Yep. He had a near-death experience, almost died into a fire, almost died to coldness. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think I'm going to say, hey, marry me before I end up dying, you know, at a <laughs> young age here. You could just see him, like, sitting on a piece of the ship going, I need to marry that girl. <laughs> <laughs> that or, oh, man, yeah, the Navy doesn't pay me enough to deal with this kind of crap. That too. <laughs> it was probably some lieutenant that got lost on sea because they can't ever figure out where they are on a map and slammed into the oil tanker. <laughs> some unpaid intern. Pretty much. All right. Then they got married uh, on May 22nd of 1945. Ed was still, like, it was really well. Ed was on survivor's pay when they had all this happen, so they had a little bit of time to do stuff, and they ended up leave, uh, living, or leaving in, leaving Bridgeport. Okay. Uh, to go and live. I forgot. I want to, I don't remember really where they went. I didn't find anything that said where they ended up living after that, but, okay. yeah, they ended up leaving. Either that, I could have misread it, and actually it's supposed to be living in, but. Yeah, typing ain't my skill set, so one of the two. But That's, I don't remember them moving to somewhere, or I couldn't. Re- I think they stayed where they were, though. Okay, but so, it's possible they just moved. It's but, po- it's very possible. But it just sounds then, like they, it sounds like they're just kind of like, I don't know if you want to say they're like a a mobile couple. But uh, from what I understand about the story, they were just sort of in the in the sort of New England region, uh, just kind of like trolling around yeah. for ghosts and things. So pretty much, but, yeah. Okay. So now back on to the story. By the age of 18, Ed and Lorraine have, have their first only child, uh, Judy. She was the only one in the family they ever had. They never had any more after that. Hmm. Uh, then Ed uh, finishes his time in the Navy and decides to attend the the Peary at uh, Art no, the Peary Art School. Okay. Uh, it was uh it was affiliated with the Yale University, uh, but it was like it more traveled around New England and you know, like. You know, my bad. Completely I uh, getting ahead of myself again in the article. Here, I'll uh, I was affiliated with you, but he uh, ended up leaving it uh, to travel around New England and paint landscapes and stuff uh, scary, uh, uh, and search for haunted houses with ghosts and stuff. That's kind of what he wanted to do. Only reason why he left, though, is because he was attending the classes and sitting there and watching these uh, professors do, like, explain art theory and do the painting and show them how to paint. And he's like, I can do paint. I can paint better than these guys. Huh. <laughs> I've just started a couple classes. I could paint better than you. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, if you're in contact with the spirit world, who knows what's possible? His argument was they weren't really showing him how to paint other than you, how to paint with geometry. 
I see. Now, pa most paintings, from my understanding, is geometry. Uh, something <laughs> like that. I mean, you're always told to look at like you know basic circles, triangles, and squares <laughs> to kind of help paint. That's true. That is true. But that's just me, and I mean, you know, I'm just a kid that you know went to high school and learned from you know a special class that's meant to do painting and graphic designing. But you know, and I was taught that way, and it works very well to kind of just see basic shapes and things to help with your artwork. Yeah, but that's but, just me. But but Ed is built different. He has he has magical power. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't need no geometry. Oh, yeah, definitely doesn't need it. But uh, his favorite pastime, though, was to uh, hear of haunted houses in a community, uh, paint the portrait of the home, and give it to the house owners. He would earn also, like, a steady, like, $5 income from just paintings. Hmm. So, like, back then, 5 bucks was a lot of money. And to yeah. put it in perspective, he spent $15 to buy a car. What the? Really? Wow. Yeah, he actually used 50 he got He had $15, went and bought a car. Unfortunately, only had, like, two tires on it. So he had to work <laughs> to get the other two. But for a whole car, it only cost him 15 bucks. And I want to say at the time, five bucks was, it was enough to like pay your bills and, you know, go out and do things, you know, and that kind of then some kind of stuff. Because at the yeah. same time around that period, you know, like going to Mickey D's, you can get like a burger for like no more than like, I want to say it was like 50 cents. Yeah. Maybe like 15 cents. So, you know, compared to us with the dollar menu. <laughs> right. <laughs> And even some places still in the U.S. actually don't have the dollar menu, which is amazing. It's only a few like states that do that. Interesting. Inflation is so weird, and we've calculated oh, yeah. we've calculated inflation on this show so many times. It's like, what what is even going on with that with the dollar? But we don't even know. I mean, it's oh, probably yeah. magic or something. Par definitely ghosts. <laughs> oh yeah, I was like, I remember when I was doing writing up this whole thing. I looked up like, well, how much was five dollars back then? Honestly, I couldn't remember now because I was like, wow, that's holy crap that's a good amount of money actually i was like yeah i could see why that would be like a basic living then yeah your mind blocked it out because it sounded too good to be true <laughs> uh, so he's so, yeah, selling when, these so he's selling these he's painting people's houses and then like going up to them and saying i painted your house because it's haunted would you like to buy the painting well he wouldn't actually go up to him but oh. it was pretty much that he actually would send lorraine up there because of uh, her irish accent was just oh. so heartwarming and charming that he thought she would have a better chance, you know, getting people to let them into the house. Wow. If yes. a woman kind of would go up there, which makes sense. You know, a nice young lady, uh, very calm. You know, she didn't really have like this rugged voice. You know, it seemed very warming to let you in, almost like a Bob Ross warming, you know? Yeah. It kind of lets you, you feel at ease with them. Yes. It's like so a, she would like go a... up and try to sell these paintings to these people. Mm. And then one or the other either say, hey, we don't want it. And get off her property or yeah, come on in and take a look around the place. So that's how they, that's how they got in and and that's how they got to look around and uh, see if there were any ghosts on top of having a very paintable house. Yeah, they would, it would help them a lot because it helped his knowledge of ghost hunting. It kind of gave him an idea of like, if when he was in there talking with the owners, walking around the place, so she would uh, sometimes go into separate like room without even knowing what like the house is about or anything and just sit on the bed because uh, the rain believed that if people spend most of their lives in the bed, like sleeping, relaxing when they're sick, mm. doing things like that, you know, just that was like where people spend their their livelihood most of the time is just in their bed. So she would sit on the bed and she would try to get a feel with her clairvoyance of what this house was like, like what was in the house, like if she could feel anything. Sometimes she did, sometimes she didn't. 
Um, sometimes she would see things that it'd be like almost going like a back in time having an I want to say like a movie play out in her head of what she would see of back in the day of things happening in yeah. the, that room or within the house. It's usually what those kind of people can get from if they're clairvoyants or like a medium. They have that ability, supposedly. I wouldn't know because I'm not one. <laughs> well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you mentioned I really like that concept because there's there's some mystical beliefs um, that think of, of sleep and your bed as basically a portal to another world. It's actually closely related to witchcraft, and they made a movie about it called Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. You ever see that oh, really? one? Yeah. No, I've never heard of this. I'm going to look it up now. Yeah, so um, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks was a Disney production, and they made a, it was about using a bed to fly interdimensionally, basically astral travel. Um, <laughs> and it came out in like the 60s, and it's it's oh got this great scene um, where this witch enchants a bunch of suits of armor to fight Nazis. That's amazing. And it's it's set to a song. (laughs) So there's this song playing while these empty suits of armor are out kicking Nazis in the ass. And that's the movie. But yeah, that's amazing. The movie starts with them using a bed to travel um, interdimensionally. It's very interesting. I've I've really never heard anything about beds being portals, but I've always seen like online of like meters and things like that being a portal. Yeah, like mirrors, another one, but uh, yeah, beds, beds and sleep, um, very closely related to um, a magical travel of some kind. So, so far, this sounds completely legit to me based on what I know about witchcraft and wizardry, you know, the stuff I learned about at Hogwarts yeah. when I went all those years ago. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you taught me something in the world of the paranormal. I didn't know anything about beds being kind of like that. Well, it's Halloween, brother. We have to have these these conversations and, and educate one another so we can fight the demons that show up after we go trick-or-treating. <laughs> Fair enough, you know. You never, you never know. One of those kids out there collecting candy, you know, maybe that uh, Transformer uh, Optimus Prime kid. You never know. Maybe he's a demon in disguise walking around out there. What do you mean you never know? They always are demons in disguise. <laughs> you know what? I've always heard that kids were like little devils, so fair enough. There you go. All right, well, pretty much after that, uh, eventually they would move away from just selling the paintings and just go full, right, Ghostbusters. Hell yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Get the proton packs. And uh, from, like, they would go on to, like, do over, like, I've seen, like, people say, like, on a bunch of different articles, they said they did 7,000 cases. One, I saw 10,000, but it's right around that mark, about 10,000 cases, I would say, is what they ended up doing in, like, the long run. Um, but we don't have time to literally go through all 10,000 cases. And to be honest, there's only a couple of them that are really well known or a good handful. And a bunch of the other ones aren't really documented for me to even look up. Gotcha. So I'm going off their word of mouth because of, off of their website, they say 10,000. Other people have said seven to six. So I'm going to say they did 10,000 because they said they did 10,000. Sure. But it could be wrong. Well, I think the idea is that it's it's a lot. They did this. They had an illustrious career. Uh, fair enough. So, should we get started with one of these cases? Oh, yeah. Because okay. right, we're about to start getting a little derailed. More than what we've already been. Well, hey, that's the nature of this show. We get derailed all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Trust uh, me. Going forward, there's going to be some good ones. Alright, first we're talking about the Perrin family. The what family? The Perrin? The, the, Pier- the Perrin family. Yeah. Perrin. I hope we're pronouncing that right. Perrin? I looked it looks it up. like I heard, Perone. <laughs> I heard, like, I've looked it up and it's. I've heard people say Perrin. Puron, uh, Pirin is like the one I've heard the most is Pirin family. Okay. 
because it made but me. But we can of, call it Perone if you let's want. Let's not to. do that. Like we don't have to make but, everything yeah. sound like it's from the you know from the Bronx or whatever. Perone. <laughs> but yeah, the Perone family. Uh, so it's what happened was back in uh, January of 1971, Perone family moved into a 14 bedroom house in uh, Harrisville. Uh, 14 bedroom. Yeah, I was amazed. It's a 14 bedroom. <laughs> oh my god. Supposedly 14 bedroom. Like. I didn't get the actual, like, building plan to see the entire light out of the house, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's what it was written down on their website. A couple other ones have all agreed it was 14-bedroom, which I thought was amazing. So, like, how much did this house cost in the first place? Uh, maybe they screwed it up and it's 14-room. 14 14-bedroom 14 sounds like freaking Biltmore. <laughs> but uh, it's probably 14-room, man. But uh, it was with uh, uh, Caroline, Roger, and his five dollars. Five dollars. Okay. So they had a big family. This this whole this family. They're a really big family. So maybe they did need fourteen bedrooms. You know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe they needed fourteen bedrooms and for guests. You know, but right. it is probably fourteen room. I you know. That's all good. I bet on their website they did have bedroom though, because I don't know paranormal website. Oh, believe me, you know it amazed me. Like even the actual their own website has so many errors in writing that it threw me off when I was reading it. Dude, that's paranormal websites. So, they always <laughs> look like they're from 1995, and there's just typos everywhere and dead links. And Oh, yeah, it was amazing. I was looking through I'm like, well, that's a typo. <laughs> there's a typo. Yeah. So when I'm, like, reading it and looking at it, I'm like, it threw me off. I had to do a couple double takes of it. I was like, what are they saying here? And I'm like, oh, it probably means that. Yeah. It's like, God. So they moved I'm into like, this I'm house. I'm glad I'm not the only one who they, they I'm not glad I'm not the only one who didn't proofread half the time. Oh, no, dude, it's normal. <laughs> so, they, so they move into this large-ish possibly house dude yeah they moved into a real nice largest house and uh, as soon as they moved in they kind of noticed some strange things happening like just abnormal things that houses shouldn't do i guess is what you should say mm. so yeah immediately after they moved in they it started like it started really small uh currently i would notice that the uh the bed uh that the uh, the broom would go missing, uh, or see uh, things like place things would be moving around, you know, from our house, like chairs slightly shifting where they weren't before. Oof, that's uh, creepy. Things would just move place to place. Is the kind of something like that would go on. You would see, let's say, like your salt shaker, it would just kind of move right. somewhere, and then like you'd walk back into the room and just disappear. So things are just moving all the time throughout the house, and you just never know where it's going to end up. That's freaky. Uh, she would hear the sounds of something scraping against uh, the kills in the in the kitchen uh, when no one was there. So, like, just metal scrapage sounds. Uh, she would find, my favorite part is, the ghost decides to bring in small piles of dirt <laughs> in the center of a cleanly kitchen floor. Wow. I don't know about you, but that kind of just sounds like the kids maybe just tracking in dirt and mud. <laughs> Potentially, and they're just blaming it on a ghost. But if it's a small pile of dirt, like right in, in the middle, middle of... And by, my favorite is in the center of the room, the ghost is like, hey, you know what really would freak them out, guys? Let's leave a pile of dirt here. <laughs> <laughs> that will really scare them. <laughs> the ultimate interdimensional prankster comes up hey, with a pile of dirt. What did you know? They actually freaked them out. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty strange. It's like, wow, this ghost is, is not only here but it's also like very very weird <laughs> yeah i can just imagine them coming in and looking at the floor going oh my god i don't remember putting this dirt here <laughs> on my clean floor <laughs> oh yeah it, it's so good that like all these stories are great uh the girls begin to notice uh spirits around the house as well although you know again it's kids probably just their imagination half the time mm. 
Then again, they also say kids have that like sixth sense ability to see things that uh, as adults we can't anymore. Like right. you just lose that ability. It is possible. I've heard a lot of that. And it's, you know, a thing. Well, now that it's, that's funny you bring that up because there's actually a scene in that movie, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, where one kid is sort of like on the edge of losing that capability of like seeing spirits and things. And mm -hmm. so the witch sings a song to like get him to come back into believing in things. And that's when he jumps on the bed and they start astral traveling. <laughs> that's amazing. I know. This, I'm going to keep bringing this movie up because I was just looking at clips of it not too long ago. And I was like, this is pretty freaky. I'm actually amazed with being like kind of stuff like that for a paranormal that of all people, Disney made a movie of it. Look, Disney was wrapped up in some strange stuff. You don't get to be an American elite in that time unless you know, unless you know some stuff. Um, then again, they did have uh, Walt Disney, you know, cryo frozen. So, I mean, that's true. <laughs> he's still technically alive. And I think they actually said this year they're going to actually unthaw him or it was the next year. Oh, my God. They're supposed God. to be doing that. Yeah, they're supposed to unthaw him. Like, he's I saw gonna, an article and I was like, oh, wow. He's going to be really mad. <laughs> we'll find out if it actually brings him back to life when they unthaw him. We can only hope. We can only hope, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see where we're we at. Uh, here. But uh, pretty much for the most part, uh, the, the ghosts were harmless. They never, they never really bothered them. But it all kind of just changed when uh, supposedly the ghost of a witch started attacking a fam the family. Mm. Uh, the witch is actually portrayed in actually the movie as well. I think it's the first Conjuring. Okay. Which is the Bathsheba, I think is how you pronounce it. Bathsheba. It's either the first one or the second one. I don't okay. remember. But I know it is actually in the movie. I remember that. That sounds very, very familiar. So, yeah, this is the, actually the family that they're based off. That movie's based off of. Gotcha. Okay. But a uh, little reference to the movies, like I said, don't really matter, though. So, But it'll be just subtle. I'll talk about here and there of some of the movies coming into this. But, uh, yeah, Caroline uh, allegedly researched the house and of the home to discover that it had the, been in the same family for like eight generations. And that many of them had died under mysterious or horrible circumstances. Oof. Ugh. Uh, supposedly several of the children had been drowned in a nearby creek. One several? Was murdered, uh, <laughs> yeah, several of the children were drowned in a nearby creek. So my question is, where were the parents? Uh, what? After the <laughs> first few? Know. After the first few, couldn't you put up a sign or something? <laughs> God. All right. Well, that's pretty creepy already. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, yeah, so several of the kill, uh, children were drowned in a nearby creek. Again, I will ask in the boomer in me, where were the parents <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> when this was happening? Um, but one of them was murdered. Uh, I didn't find anything to say, like, I don't remember saying how it happened, but one of them was murdered. Oh my god. And a few of them hung themselves in the attic. Okay, now, that's... <laughs> These are these are these are essential questions before you move into a place. How many children drowned in the creek? Was anybody murdered? And did anyone hang themselves in the freaking attic? Yeah, that, my favorite is also like kind of just the. It's just like one of those you like you know most people like when they go to a place asking if this is haunted. Like that's more of a thing we do now because it's like we need to know who if anybody had died in the house uh, just so we have a feel because most people are afraid of things like this. In right. The future. Well, they'll raise whole buildings if someone dies in it these days. And it's like back then, I guess, <laughs> every building had a kill count <laughs> or something. Yeah, so, yeah, asking kind of those questions and even, like, a realtor having to, like, disclose what, if anybody had passed away of, un you know, un kind of, like, 
normal circumstances like nothing like just peaceful with my past things like they just died in their bed of old age or whatever mm. but if it was like more of unnatural of like them falling down and like having a bad death like somebody was murdered or anything like that most of the place i want to say most states are like forced the realtor to like kind of disclose that to them to like let you know that this happened but this was a different time <laughs> if not i want to say it, it is within uh, Mary, the, the law of the u.s that no matter what that if you ask them about it they have to tell you but mm. some states they have to tell you outright but if you don't ask in some that they don't have to but they have to still kind of tell you if you ask about it huh uh, well it's, it's important information i mean especially if you believe in spirits and things <laughs> i'll see if you're gonna buy a home and you believe in ghosts ask them about the deaths in the house <laughs> <laughs> if there was any yeah definitely find out because if you don't like the paranormal stuff you really 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 want to know yeah uh, don't be like the paro i mean the para para parents the parons <laughs> but uh yeah so you so were saying about film, this you were saying about uh, this bathsheba character um yeah so bathsheba was like the spirit that was depicted in the film she okay. was supposed to be the worst of them all of all the ghosts that lived in this house of course yeah that's how it always goes there's always one bad egg throw yeah. them all <laughs> yeah but uh andrea the oldest of the five girls uh she would go on to his quote would say uh, whoever the spirit was, she perceived her to be like the mistress of the house, and she resented the uh, the competition from her mother uh, that posed uh, that was like for that position. So, so it's, as it's, the 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 head uh, woman of the house, or like the the mom of the house, something like that. So it's an interdimensional Mean Girls, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Pretty much, she saw the mom as a competition for you know her claim and you know as the hierarchy. Uh, that makes sense. Yep, going back to the medieval times where you can only have two rulers. <laughs> Even then, there's always butting heads. Yeah. But uh, it was confirmed that there was a woman named Bathsheba that actually did live there. Okay. Uh, she lived on the property that well, that they did own. I also saw some that said that she didn't live on the property, but she lived like a house nearby or some kind of land nearby. Okay. But most of them did say she lived on the property in like in the mid 1800s. Was she also an angry Italian landlady? or uh, Not to my knowledge, Okay. No. <laughs> but she was rumored to be a Satanist. So, an Italian. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. In other words, yeah. Another a devoted Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, then again, you know, Christian, Lutheran, you know, whatever you want to call them, you know, these days. <laughs> yeah. So, she's but a yeah, Satanist? She was, and... Supposedly, she was a Satanist. Okay. But, uh, and there was there was evidence that she had been involved in the deaths of the neighbor neighbor's children. Ugh, a bad neighborhood. Uh, the children's body was found to be, ha like, had been impaled in the back of the head with a sharp object. Probably, oh. like, um, I would say, like, a, need a knitting needle. Like, the tungsten knitting needles, those long ones. Oh, my God. Ugh. But there was lacking evidence to kind of even convict her on it. Wow. The case was eventually dropped. Uh, Beshi believed to uh, had, like, three children of Rome. None of them survived the past uh, the age of four, unfortunately. Huh. Uh, she was also known to have... Uh, brutalized uh the staff of the house that she was living in often beating them and starving them for minor in infractions in the house so you didn't tuck the bed she corner like a drill sergeant you know this bed isn't cleaning perfectly tucked in enough yeah they fucking flip it and shit kind of things like that yeah basically the same concept check the edges of the top of the door frame find a little bit of dust if it didn't pass that white glove mm -mm, not having it just starving for the rest of the night man that uh that kind of reminds me of this uh this one guy we covered not long well actually it was a couple of years ago um who was so he he uh he had he treated mistreated house staff as well just because he was a cheapskate um 
this is interesting though, because that's this to me to speak to speak spookily because this is Halloween. Um, this seems like a like a common theme. A lot of ghosts and spirits and whatnot, like they are not happy people in life, and so they're restless in death. It's really really interesting. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a big thing. Like always, like I get from what I've always heard from stories that if you kind of like die unhappy or like not you don't you didn't finish what something you wanted to like you have a you come back and the reason why ghosts are still around is because there's something unfinished that they haven't finished and they need to complete it. So let it be like something that they died in life that they're just not happy about. Like it could be that they didn't put away a, a plate and they're unhappy about. It. Like that's like the basic thing. Like they didn't finish what something they had started. Yeah. C.S. Lewis was into the occult, and he wrote about this a couple of times, but he called it the vain privilege of manifesting oneself in more places than one. Um, and basically, it was just ghosts who were who were basically attached to this realm so much by their anger um, mm -hmm. that they basically stuck around just to mess with people because they, they could, and they preferred to become sort of almost like demonic posers. You know what I mean? Like, um, they weren't actually demons, but they would just kind of stick around and mess with people because they, they didn't want to go on to the great beyond uh, because they were so attached to their their hatred and rage. Uh, very interesting, but... <laughs> and it really just sounds like your typical bum of a guy who just doesn't want to do anything with their life and just sticks around and says, I'm not doing that. Or like a printer that doesn't want to print because they're saying they're out of ink and just being an ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> Pretty much that, and just ruining your life because, you know, they're not doing what you wanted to do, and they're just being a nuisance there. Kind of yeah. like what these ghosts basically do. Just be a nuisance in your life. That or scare the crap out of you, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, that's kind of who Bathsheba is, but uh, when she was, uh, she ended up dying in, like, May 25th of uh, 1885. The okay. coroner did wrote, and this is real, there was a, he wrote this down. That her body had eerily solidified, seemingly turning into stone. What? That's what he quoted. So she, her body almost pulled a Medusa, you know, and just uh, turned to stone. That's freaky. Uh, and that's, I was like, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, I've never really heard of anybody's body almost kind of freezing up into stone or just like kind of solidifying like that. I've heard of incorruptible bodies. Have you heard of those? No, I've never heard of that. It's a, it's a, it's a Catholic thing. I mean, not to keep pulling the Catholics back into this, but uh, no, it's. I mean, this pretty much a lot of like paranormal and going into the kind of the world of demonic is a lot of it deals heavily with Catholics. Yeah, for whatever reason, it's more Catholic and Christian, but mostly Catholic stuff. Yeah, it's it, it and it always makes an appearance in the movies too, like The Exorcist. Oh yeah, it's a Catholic oh, priest. Big time. Um, of course, I've. I've uh, I've done my own digging into, into Catholicism and stuff like that, and of course I have many conversations with George about, uh, with George about it and that sort of thing. Um, lots of very interesting stuff going on there, but the incorruptible bodies—that was one thing that I still don't fully understand. It's when a like a, a person is so saintly that when they die, they don't decay in the normal way. Um, they basically self mummify. Yeah, but that's it's that's super, weird. Super weird, super weird, and that's a whole rabbit hole on its own. So. But, yeah. So she dies, she turns to stone, and then what do they do? So she turns to stone. Uh, she was buried in the nearby Baptist, Baptist Cemetery. Okay. Uh, it was in the same town. It was the downtown part of it. Um, Now, I kind of doubt that she was a, a Satanist due to the fact that she was buried in a Baptist cemetery. You know, 
the townspeople would have up, up in arms if that actually happened. <laughs> right. I don't know about you, but would you want the Asenas desecrating uh, a holy, you know, burial area? Yeah. Of all the people who are of whole, you know, that believe in God over being a, you know, a supporter of the devil. Yeah, you wouldn't so, want that. Oh. There was like really the argument that she was kind of seems invalid from that reason. I don't even think the church would allow it either. I think they'd be kind of up in arms hearing that, hey, this woman was a Satanist at one point. Yeah, it sounds like, a, it does sound like a, you know, you said earlier it was a rumor. It does sound like a rumor, especially it was when... Like, it, it seems very far-fetched. It seems more like, just more or less, that she really was just a really, really mean lady. <laughs> yeah, and you can just describe, ah, she worships the devil on top of it, especially after she's gone. Um, but... So she really just almost sounds like a really mean slave owner, like the way she acts, you know, kind of something like that. I gotcha. That she can do no wrong, but everybody else is always doing the wrong. Yeah, very, very unhappy person. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, according to, uh, so moving on, but uh, according to Andrea, the family had experienced other spirits that w as well, that smell like rotting flesh in the house. Ugh. And that is a big thing with, like, paranormal stuff and a lot with demons. If you, if you ever see a demon or, like, you feel like there's a demon in the place, most of the time people would say is that they get this smell of, like, a rotting flesh. Oof. And then most time that's usually they see end up seeing demons in the house or something like that. Mm. But it's always consistent with every single story, everything I've ever heard or ever read or seen. They always describe the first thing they smell is something like rotting flesh. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, it's not. That's disgusting. Rotting <laughs> flesh is gross. <laughs> but uh, yeah, rotting flesh uh, and it would cause like and also the beds would just like rise off the floor. Oh, no big deal. Claim. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. You just sleep and all of a sudden your bed's levitating like, oh, crap. You know, what's going on here? About to take off on a magic carpet ride almost. You know, one of those. Uh, she would also claim that her father would enter the basement and uh, would feel a cold, you know, almost like it was also like a presence behind him all the time and it would stink. Ugh. So the smell of rotting flesh again. So it'd be like constantly behind him. Something just watching him all the time when he would go down there. The only reason why he would have to go down there is because their uh, furnace was down there. Gotcha. So you'd have to kick on if anything ever happened. It would stop working. You went down there to check. Um, they would often stay away from it because the floors were just dirt. You know, there mm -hmm. wasn't actually concrete. It was just a dirt floor. Gotcha. But yeah, like I said, the heating equipment was down there and it would always mysteriously fail. So it would cause him to go down there. Oh. And the only he would only go down there if the, the, the equipment would just fail. If anything ever happened to it. It's so you would have to go down there and do that only or else he would never go down there. It's like Home Alone with the with the furnace in the basement hello kevin but <laughs> pretty much <laughs> now we're gonna get back into a little bit of the movie because unfortunately the true story of how that ended is completely different than the actual conjuring movie hmm. so like the, the and conjuring movie endings ends with them actually i think want to say end in the rain exercising the house and things doing things like that mm-hmm uh, that didn't happen in this, in the real life story, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They portray Ed and Lorraine as being these big heroes when that really didn't happen. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, in reality, the Warrens were not successful at ridding the uh, the, the family of the hell-bent terror they were feeling in mm. this house. <laughs> at one point, uh, Lorraine conducted a seance, which is kind of like uh, you sit around like a room, usually with lit candles. Most of the time, they're white. And uh, some people pull out the, the Ouija board. <laughs> and put their hands on the planchetta and if anybody doesn't know what the planchetta is or Ouija board it's a board with a bunch of usually like the alphabet on it with yes or no or, and goodbye in the middle and the planchetta is like a triangle with a little circle in the middle sometimes like there's usually like a little glass circle in the middle or it's just a triangle 
or people use a cup glass cup sometimes too and it would just you go over the it's supposed to move on its own but most of the time people with shaky hands and people kind of just move it on their own without mm-hmm. realizing it to, yeah, and then that. their mind just kind of like forces itself to spell things out so that's the reason why people don't believe them mm-hmm. because most of the time you're when you're moved when it moves it could be just you and your mind is going to automatically try to force something to come out of it you're going to like if you hit like spell one level, like you find, let's say you hit F, you're going to somehow find a way to make sense out of it by forcing your hands to move subconsciously to spell something out with it. So no matter what, you're going to get an answer. It, but some people say that there is kind of some paranormal thing about it, that it does work. I, for one, will never touch one of those. Oh, yeah. I dude, am, uh, did very I ever, heavily against them. Did I ever tell you my story about the Ouija board? No, you actually haven't. Oh man, uh, this is in the interest of of uh, Halloween. Yeah, we threw one out one time, and uh, very shortly after that, we uh, like my entire family saw what amounted to like an ectoplasm. Um, really? Yeah, it was super weird. Long story. I mean, it's, it's kind of a long story, but I think I've shared it on the show before. I'm not really sure, but yeah, we threw out. We got a bunch of stuff from my my grandpa after he passed away, including um, some some like weird occultic looking things i won't get too detailed but basically yeah we threw we threw some of some of that stuff out and uh we were all sitting at uh, thanksgiving dinner and this thing just appeared above the table that looked like uh, i don't know how to describe it except it's called an ectoplasm and we all saw it and it floated across the table and then just vanished it's really strange really strange story Hmm. yep but that's interesting I don't know if it had anything to do with the Ouija board, but it was very weird. They say, like, people say that the Ouija board opens up a gate to whatever is there. Mm. It's supposed to be like another portal. If you don't close it out by the end by saying goodbye, you're technically leaving it open. It's never closed. It's supposed to be a way to contact somebody in the spiritual world. But the problem is you don't know who you're getting. It's like, uh, what's it called? You know, those like that one that's like the video service that people would sit and just randomly get whoever. Omegle. When they're talking. Yeah, and sometimes you just get a guy jerking off, kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> you get a chance of that, or you know, actually seeing somebody who's wanting to talk with you. Yeah, yeah, you get that. It's chat room roulette, I guess you could say. Except you're air. rolling the die, you're rolling the the barrel of a gun you know, in the chamber and hoping to guy that the bullet isn't going to be a demon. It's Russian <laughs> you're roulette, trying with to... interdimensional yeah, right. communication. <laughs> Russian roulette, where the consequences is that this thing will be there forever with you, <laughs> 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 and you never get away from it. Because you'll come to find out that demons don't stay most time where they're supposed to. They kind of travel with you sometimes. Mm. They latch onto you. You is the story later that actually it happens to a family. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's kind of the reason why I won't touch the boards because I'm just I'm here and there being a skeptic on some stuff. But though those boards, I heard too many horror stories on, and I just don't feel comfortable. And by the way, Hasbro sells them as a kid's toy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can go to, like, back in the day when Toys R Us was a thing, you know, and those buildings did exist. You could go in there and find them. They would sell them as a kid's toy, as a game. Same thing with, I think they're at, uh, you can find them at Target, I think, as well, and Kohl's, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing one at Target, and I was, like, when I was with my girlfriend shopping, and we're like, I was like, hey, want to get a Ouija board? (laughs) Instantly was the big old look of, uh, what are you doing to me? Why? (laughs) You crazy person. Never would bring one home. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There's just some things like, that are best not messed with, but 
It seems yeah, like... Yeah, there's definitely those kind of things. You, there's some things that you should probably just not mess with. Like, it's the same concept of uh, you see a bear sleeping. You don't go up to it and poke it when it's <laughs> yeah. asleep. Sure. Because sure. it's pretty much going to be pissed off. It's kind of the same t- same thing with contacting spirits in the other than the other. In the afterlife, kind of just don't want to poke that nest. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like poking a bear, except it's a ghastly bear that will stalk you and move your brooms. So, <laughs> yeah. So they, you're saying they didn't use, they may or may not have used a Ouija board for this seance. I was like, I'd, I've seen pictures of them doing the seance, and I never, I didn't see a board, but I did see the lit candles. It's like a common thing that you always light candles. It's supposed to be almost like a another way to be peaceful. Like a lot of like you know practice and like witchcraft and stuff like that with like Wiccan they use candles um there's a whole reason and meaning behind them but I'm not 100% sure I didn't really look into it because Wiccan is not something that's really a part of the story at all it's just kind of used a little bit within the paranormal universe but not like a lot but yeah like a lot of the times when you see like the the demonic stuff like the circle in the middle with the star the pentagram you have like the candles on each corner for like the summonings and stuff and they do things like that with it but candles are very much heavily used in a lot of the stuff so they're doing this they're doing this at uh so yeah they're de- they're doing this seance and uh caroline becomes possessed oh, and God. starts speaking in tongues and rises from the ground and that was she was sitting in her chair oh my gosh Oof. so like it just started she just lifted up that was so her uh her daughter andrea uh claims to have uh, secretly witnessed the scene because I remember, I think if I remember, they had the kids in a different room. Yeah. She had such, uh, she has, this is what she had said. I thought I was going to pass out, Andrew said. My mother began to speak in a language of not of this world and a voice of not of her own. Oof. Her chair had levitated and she was thrown across the room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whoa. That was what her daughter had said. That's mega, that's really freaky. Like, not only is she speaking in a voice that's not her own, a language not of this world. Yeah. I'll pass. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and there's a lot of reports of that. When people like get possessed, they usually like make they make sounds and speak of something that doesn't seem human. Mm. Mm. A lot of the times, the yeah, it's a lot of times they use like Latin. Yeah, it's like one of the words they usually people say they speak in. It's because the language of old is Latin. Yeah, so it makes sense. But yeah, so yeah, and really. So after that, you know, her mom flew in the chair, probably extremely traumatized from the scene. Yeah. Um, but after the scene, uh, Roger immediately kicked the Warrens out of the house. <laughs> right. Said, you guys don't know what you're doing. Get out, basically. Yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, right. So you kicked them out, uh, worried that his wife, uh, mental, like, mental stability was just shattering. Yeah. Well, it would. Just <laughs> getting possessed. And, uh... And according to Andrew, the daughter, the family continued to live in the house uh, due to financial instability. You know, the reason why people, when they buy haunted houses and they have a hard time getting out of it, and what I would say, why not just pack up and leave? Because they can't afford it to leave. Right. They can't, nobody would buy the house or it's just, they don't have, they put too much into it where even if they sell it, they're not going to get any money back. They're basically stuck. Stuck with the But ghost. they were, yeah, so, but they were able to move out in uh, 1980, at which points the spirit were silenced and the haunting had ceased. So it kind of just stopped. Hmm. which is weird because that is very strange it doesn't really happen it really really doesn't happen <laughs> when that happens like yeah i've never heard of like anybody just living in a house and then it just gradually stops well, usually it stops as like if you from what i've heard from stories is if you have ghosts in your house like what they say usually is to kind of like um find like if it's like a person let's say back in the day that may or may not be famous or 
not even a famous person that if you have something of theirs and kind of like put it on display you're paying homage to them and it kind of puts them at ease knowing that they're not forgotten because a lot of time people who pass on just want to be remembered in a way or form want their story to be told interesting so if you have something out from them and kind of like make sure it's on display so people see it somebody asks about it you always explain what it was it can always put them at rest because now they know that there somebody's there who knows my story who knows the facts of what happened to me i can be at ease knowing that i'm still going to be remembered that i'm not forgotten kind of like i would put it as a good way to put it as the day of the dead where we celebrate you know for they celebrate you know people who had passed on and always put on like a remembrance of who they are and have their pictures everywhere that way you know who they were yeah that kind of like that they want to be remembered which is why i i love the day of the dead for that reason it's like you're always talking about the good stuff that your family you know with your family you're making sure they're always remembered in life if there's one thing that um, that americans don't seem to have much of it's it's respect for the dead (laughs) that's speaking very very broadly but we don't honor the past the way that uh the way that many other cultures do it's very very interesting but um, oh, yeah, I mean, because, you know, nowadays, most of the people in America, they go to cemeteries and just, you know, desecrate graves by kicking the stone, you know, yeah. tombstones. I literally, I knew people who did that. Smashed. Yeah, uh, and I've, ugh, it, that's always the worst. Well, like, that's, you they're, they're asking for grave. it. You almost can't blame the ghosts for going after people like that. <laughs> oh, you definitely can. I mean, those people deserve it. They deserve everything bad in life. Like, you don't do that. Like, that's something is just. An unwritten rule you just don't do is defile somebody else's grave. <laughs> yeah, I knew. A, I mean, there was a guy I knew who did it and then posted about it on Facebook. And I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> what world are you from where this is like, OK, but that, that's a, that's an aside. Uh, so according to Angela, the uh, the current owners uh, uh, named Norm, uh, the who they purchased the house in 1983, they said that she and her husband, uh, Gary, he and her and her uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm all over the place. Look, hang on. Uh, yeah, say that she and her husband, uh, Gary, had, and various like visitors had come into the place and like had supposedly experienced the same amount of stuff, uh-huh. uh, including doors being banging and you know, and other things. But that's pretty much about it for the most part. But none of this like possessed spirit attack crap. It's just like- nothing that I saw other than the most I could say is that her husband's chair one day when he was sitting in, you know, in it, it was like vibrating and it was in like another study. But that's <laughs> about it, really. Wow. They've also they claimed to see like a glowing blue light uh, shoot across the bedroom, uh, fog uh, floating through the rooms at, you know, uh, vibrations in the walls. So that's kind of about it. Nothing really too crazy. They've had several visitors uh, in the home. Uh, independently report that an elderly woman with a uh, hair and a bond moving silently through the house but that's again pretty much it that's all that happened afterwards it's still pretty creepy though i mean but it does seem like some people are kind of more opened up to this kind of thing right like yeah but again like it kind of makes me wonder because they said that the hauntings had stopped but now all of a sudden they picked back up somebody's not at peace better put a picture on the mantle <laughs> pretty much Alrighty, now we're gonna get into some of the good stuff. We're gonna be talking about the famous doll Annabelle. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that lovely like Raggedy Ann doll. And the movies portray it completely different with the porcelain doll, which is way more terrifying. Yeah. But then again, the Raggedy Ann doll is still pretty creepy looking. Not gonna lie, not yeah. something I enjoy. I don't like dolls for that reason. They just put a bad, real really feeling with me. Ugh. Gives you that chill, you know? Yeah, definitely. But uh, in 1970, a mother had purchased this antique Raggedy Ann doll from a hobby store. So it's a brand new doll. Like, this doll came off 
the press ready to go. We came from the factory. They shipped it. It's on the shelf, right? Right. Now, the movies portray it as this is an old doll that we came from, like, a thrift store. Okay. And it, like, cracks and kind of rigidy looks, but that's because they said the, the kid, the person who owned it before had died and their soul moved into it, but it was a demon. And the movies kind of do that. It's kind of similar, but without that whole backstory, because this doll is brand new and it never was passed on by anybody. It was off the shelf. Interesting. In an actual, like, store, so completely different. Completely different than a thrift store. A little less mysterious when you're just buying it from you know, Walmart. <laughs> Though Walmart is yeah. pretty creepy, let's be honest. So the doll had been purchased for a birthday gift for her daughter, Donna. Okay. And uh, Donna was uh, preparing to graduate from uh, nursing, uh, for a nursing degree in college. Huh. She lived in a tiny apartment with her roommate uh, and uh, ple- it was really pleased and ha- she was pleased and happy with the, the, the gift that she got from mom. It's a little cute doll, you know, like what can go wrong, you know, kind of things like that. Right. Yeah. It's like really nice. It's just a little thoughtful gift. She ended up placing it on her bed in a direction that and like in like as decoration, you know, just like setting out on a bed like people do with pills and stuff. She kind of left it there. Didn't give it a second thought. And then within a uh, within days, both Donna and her roommate noticed that their appearance, uh, the appearance to it kind of like just shifted, like something would change subtly. Something very strange and creepy about the doll. Like they just kind of get that weird vibe, you know, vibe with it now. All of a sudden, just out of nowhere, this vibe changed and like, something happened. It almost feel like the appearance of the doll was kind of like a little different, but you know, could be just the heebie-jeebies they got from the doll because it is kind of weird. Yes. Uh, so let's see. The the doll would also mysteriously move about the house. Okay. So back to like, that other the other the family that had like chairs and things just kind of shifting around in the house. Same thing, except it was just the doll only. Huh. So you put the doll in the bed, and all of a sudden now it's in the kitchen. Oh, that's freaky. Making a sandwich, pulling stuff right out of the fridge. Not good. Not good. That's how you know when your doll gets hungry. <laughs> yeah, but it started off small. They said, according to them, it, it relatively small movements at first, which was like it just changing its position. So let's say you had it facing one way. It probably was shifted to look the other way. Okay. Uh, let's see. But then it became more noticeable, the movement of it. They would come. They would go out. You know, both her and her roommate would go out, and they would come home to find the doll in a completely different room. Mm. Sometimes the doll would be found with its legs crossed, arms folded, and other times it'd be found up, standing right on its feet. Oh my gosh! It's a doll that is made out of like fuzz. Like it's just fuzz stuffed into it, so it doesn't have appendages like a normal like porcelain doll where it could stand up. This doll, you need to like actually have support to make it do that. Oh no! Yeah, it's just a cloth doll basically, (laughs) and it's standing there in your hallway. Presumably yeah, singing so a creepy song. There. Oh, no. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> so, yeah, it would be it just really creepy. So, yeah, several times uh, Donna would uh, sometimes, like, left the doll on the couch and before leaving for work uh, and would return to find that all back in her bedroom on the bed with the door closed. Uh, so, door open, leaving for work, put the doll on the couch because she's testing to see if this is for real and she's not losing her mind, comes home. Doors closed in her bedroom. What could go wrong? Open the door. There's the doll in the bed. Ugh. I don't know about you, but I'd be again. We're done breaking my lease. I'm out of here. <laughs> Keep the doll. <laughs> uh, so Annabelle, the doll, not only moved, but could write as well. No. <laughs> Even worse. It's kind of, it's a linguist. Oh, no. It can speak English to you. It can write to you. The Ugh. worst kind of like fear of all. Uh, so the doll began to like write messages on parchment paper. Yeah, and it had it would read out 
and this is what it would say help us oh and help lou <laughs> now lou was the i want to say i think it was either the husband at the time or a boyfriend of huh. donna I, i've ever written it's later in the article that comes up more when i'm reading this that explains if they were husband or boyfriend and girlfriend i'm pretty sure it was boyfriend and girlfriend but probably at this point husband now mm. um but uh yeah helpless lou that's not fun yeah uh, let's see. The writing also have, was written like if it was a small child writing it. So, okay. Tiny child writing help us or help us Lou. Uh, at the time, Donna had never kept parchment parchment paper in the apartment. Okay, so then these notes were written on parchment. So the doll is either has either got its own uh, paper mill or um, it's summoning parchment from the beyond or someone's putting parchment. I mean, that just saw, sounded weird when they like, I don't know, there's like no parchment. I'm like, well, who doesn't keep at least some kind of form paper in the house? Well, right. I, if it's specifically on parchment, I mean, that that seems like, I, I don't know, that just seems like something that, it just sounds like something that would be, it sounds magical, you know? Like if you wrote notes on regular like printer paper or whatever they would have back then, like that's not as mysterious as, you know, parchment. So. Yeah, because I mean, I guess I'm looking at it as a way, like, who doesn't have, like, some kind of sticky notes or something, like, you know, notebooks, because, again, college, you know, you got to have some form of paper. Yeah, you got to have sticky notes for your haunted doll. <laughs> yeah, or, like, a notepad next to the phone at this time of period, you know, that way you can write down numbers. Like, you got to have something. Like, well, the, I don't, the dolls like, doubt lo it. looking around the house, don't they have a freaking sticky note somewhere? I got to put this <laughs> down. Help us, Lou. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, and it turns out Lou was a friend of Donna's and Angie, which was the roommate. Mm. Uh, and began to like, like began. They they've been together since like the day they started, and like you know, with the doll had been there, so they've been together for that while, for that long. Okay. Uh, Lou never found, uh, like, was never fond of the doll. Didn't okay. like it, disliked it a lot. Uh, and on several occasions, uh, warned Donna that that there was evil, and he needed to get rid of it. Hmm. So Lou knew about it. And I was wrong. Lou wasn't a boyfriend or girlfriend. It was just a friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. I had to reread this. Did a quick skim. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lou uh, didn't just like the doll at all. And But of course, Donna said she wanted to keep it, you know. Right. Her mom gave it to her. She had a, she was, yeah, it was, it was something she, her, she was very like compassionate with it. It was like tied to her. So like, she didn't want to get rid of it for that reason. Hmm. So as much as Lou hated it, she really didn't give a shit about what he had to say about it is basically what it came down yeah, to. Yeah, she's like, I'm keeping this freaking thing. And so, but then again, you know, it turns out her decision was the dumbest mistake of her life. Great. Uh, Lou ended up waking up one night in a deep sleep uh, and in panic. Once again, he had a recur he had reoccurring dreams uh, from like of bad dreams of this doll. Oh, God. So now he's having nightmares of the doll. Whew. Only, but then again, this time somehow, when he woke up, and he couldn't wake up, he like he woke up and he couldn't move, and he was having a time, kind of like hard time staying awake, almost like sleep paralysis. Okay, like you're awake and you just can't move. Yeah, he looked around the room but couldn't see anything, uh, and then ended up finding out when he looked down, he saw the doll at his feet. Ah, no, it began to slowly glide up his legs. Ah. <laughs> And then over his chest, and then stopped. Within seconds, the doll had started to strangle him. What are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. This is legit. Like, this is the real story him. of this freaking doll. 
I've never heard this. It's trying yeah, to... Yeah, the raggedy end, all the little cloth dog comes up and wraps its, ha- its arms, its hands around your throat and starts to strangle you. It's muscular, powerful arms. Basically the uh, Tattletail Strangler from uh, Spongebob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just crushing your, your throat. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, I th- I told you, man, this is going to get wild. <laughs> keep, keep going. This is good. Paralyzed and grasping for breath, Lou, at that point, of uh, almost pa- basically passing out, <laughs> just, you know, blackout, done. Oh. Woke up the next morning, certain it was a dream. Uh, Lou had determined to, uh, was determined to get rid of it himself, uh, and the doll that was, uh, had a spirit that was possessed him. So he and was, he, you said he was certain it was a dream or wasn't a dream? He was like, He's certain it really wasn't a dream, but it oh. almost sounds like it could have been. But still, like, it's, I would look yeah. for, like, oh, little yeah. doll hands on my neck, little marks. Like, that's what they do. Oh, it gets even better. Oh, God. Me. And then, uh, so then another night, Don had came home to find the doll had moved again. Uh, this time it was in her bedroom. And uh, came home to find that it was, like, it was typical of the doll, but somehow she knew that this time was different. Like, when it moved, she knew it was normal for it to move, but for some reason this time was just not right. Yeah. Something wasn't right. Uh, a sense of fear came over her when she uh, inspected the doll. And she looked at the doll, like, and she had seen, like, blood drops on it. Ugh. On the back of its hand Ugh. and its chest, seemingly from nowhere, a liquid red substance had appeared on the doll. Ugh. Scared and desperate, Donna and her roommate decided it was time to seek expert advice. So after all, like, you know, the choking, the movement <laughs> of the doll... You know, they kind of turn to each other. All right, maybe we got a problem. Yeah, it's just tried to strangle my boyfriend or whatever, and now yeah, it's got my, blood my on fling. its hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got blood on its hands. It's 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 you know now it's possessed at this point. You gotta like, all right, we need to get rid of it. You know, maybe take it to the local Goodwill and just dump it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they needed to get expert advice all of a sudden now. But uh, after that, uh, lose experience. Uh, Donna felt it was t- after so pretty much after Lou had his problem with the dog because this was like right after it. She's like, "Yeah, I think it's time to get advice." You know, after it nearly killed my friend. <laughs> uh, they ended up contacting uh, contacting uh, a priest, basically the name of uh, Father Hagen. Uh, Father Hagen felt that it was uh, supernatural matter and felt that he would immediately contact the Warrens. Oh, okay. He also just because he needed to contact a higher authority in the church, so he ended up contacting uh, Father Coke, Coke, by the way, <laughs> uh, who immediately contacted the Warrens, pretty much. So they pretty much went from one uh, one priest to another, and then they decided, like, let's just get these guys in. Because at this point, the Warrens were actually very well known. Interesting. So they contacted them, and then they ended up arriving. The Warrens. So it appears that even some churchmen believe that the Warrens are up to like can do something. So either they're they yeah because um okay i was gonna say because the all before all this when they were kind of building their name and credibility they worked along with the church to kind of help them they like they'll ask them if they have heard any cases like this and they would go with the priest onto these cases so they had a relationship with the church interesting but at the same time some of the like some of these cases there's some missing there's detail that they say they wouldn't contact the church or the church contacted them and the church would either say no we don't have any recollection of this at all Huh. Or they say, no, none of them ever contacted us. So, like, there's some missing detail here that maybe is a little fabricated and kind of bullshit. Sure, but sure. They claim, The Warrens do claim that they worked with the church a lot, and the church says they worked with them a good amount, too. So, at least there's that. But yeah. it's still, there's something missing between some of these stories. 
Okay, so Ed and Lorraine are on the case. Yep, Ed and Lorraine on the case. They immediately took interest in the case, you know, and contacted Donna concerning that the doll, about the doll. So the Warrens, uh, after speaking with Donna and the roommate and Lou, of course, uh, <laughs> came to the immediate conclusion the doll itself was not, in fact, possessed, but uh, manipulated by an inhuman presence. So the doll isn't possessed. It's just something around it, you know, doing all the bullshit. I see. So there's nothing like in, like, like spiritually within this thing. It's just being used as a tool by something else. Is that right? Yeah, basically. Because Ed would go on and claim that objects can't be possessed. Hmm. It's only mostly humans that are, or uh, beings in the world, but objects really don't get that, like, a possessing, like, an attachment, basically, as I should say. Okay. Where the rest of the paranormal universe will tell you, like, of other, like, you know, people who deal with, like, uh, demonology and stuff like that and kind of learn that kind of stuff will tell you that objects can definitely be, you know, have, like, um, like a possession attachment to it. Gotcha. It's only Ed and Lorraine that said otherwise, so I don't... Well, they are I'm going to say they can. <laughs> and even, like, in, like, some conversations in the movie, they contradict this by him saying in the movie that, yeah, you can't possess, like, an object cannot be possessed and have an attachment... And then later they say that it's possessed and attached at some point in the actual Annabelle movie. <laughs> Interesting. So they kind of contradict themselves within the movie. So there's like a big, you know, plot hole there. But, yeah, the movies don't matter. So let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> I see. All right. So, yeah, it was in fact like it was being manipulated by something that was not, you know, there was something otherworldly. They had then uh, had the house blessed uh, by Donna's request. And uh, by the father. And uh, against uh, pretty much it kind of like ended up slightly calming things down, but not by much. Mm -hmm. Uh, The phenomenon would eventually occur again in the house. Uh, The Warrens took like they ended up taking that doll and just because the Donna just got tired of it and said, you know what? Is there something you guys can do? They decided they'll take the doll. Oh, well, so they took the big Raggedy Ann doll and and then they left and went home with it. Ah. I mean, which, if you're wondering, Annabelle comes home is them taking the doll back to their place. So they got a free doll out of the deal. That's what I'm hearing. A free doll in a demonic possession of some kind. So. I don't know. I just think of the Ghostbusters putting their little ghosts in their their big machine in the basement. <laughs> yeah. So when the, it's not I don't have it on, you know, on our not script, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the. What happened is when they got back with the doll, they because at this point they had a museum in their house, so there was like the uh, paranormal museum. It's not even open anymore. Okay. Due to uh, coronavirus and regulation, I think I want to say it's California where it is now. I don't know. I I haven't the thing. I can't remember because I remember them had said that they had moved at one point, but due to the restrictions of the way re- like zoning regulations were, I guess from where they are, I want to say it was California mm. that they weren't allowed to like live because they lived in the house. And also had the museum in it. So I don't think you can live in the place of your business. You weren't really allowed to maybe there. Sure. I know it's, it was a thing in Illinois that you weren't really supposed to from a person I knew that had an airsoft field. I see. They weren't allowed to live on the property while they were conducting a business there. So they had to like leave it and then just run it as a business. Gosh. So probably something like that. Okay. But, uh. They brought it home uh, and had a priest blessed. Like they put it in like a glass box, basically. It's like wooden, like almost like a curio cabinet. Doll had glass all around it with like wooden like supports to hold the glass. And they had tape all around in the inside, like all these uh, what's what is it? Like almost like holy scriptures. Okay. And like you know sayings uh, to keep like for prayer, praying kind of stuff, like those kind of stuff. 
had it taped all around the inside and then um, had a priest bless each of them of the prayers. Well, that'll Priests do it. believed that it was a whole nothing but a bunch of folk and garbage and mocked it all. Supposedly the, the night he was going home, uh, I want to say he ends up dying. I forget what happened. <laughs> I think he has a heart attack, if I remember. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's the, pretty much right after that. And uh, I know on the way home back to the the museum with when they're taking the doll back, supposedly the doll tried to take control of the wheel and <laughs> roll him off the road. Um, at one point, the tire had gotten flat and oh. went out to get replaced. And supposedly the doll had pushed him into a, a moving car coming at him and just nearly got nearly dodged it. So that's in the movie, but it is supposedly real. It also happened in real life to him. We don't know. We weren't there. It's just them saying so. Imagine getting carjacked by a doll. <laughs> pretty much. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much how it ends with uh, the doll. Because after they put it in the case, and it just stops. All of it stops now that it's surrounded by holy things. Oh, man. So, yeah, just keep in mind that if you ever have a demonic problem that's attached to an object, put it in a glass case, surround it with some paper that's, you know, got holy scriptures on it, and then you're solid. Make sure it's blessed, though. It's gotta be blessed. <laughs> of course. And of then course. all your problems will stop. Yeah, naturally. The Warrens said so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, now we're on to Bill Ramsey, the werewolf case. The were- okay. All right, just take it away. Let's get into it. All right, Bill Ramsey. He was born and raised in uh, Essex, I think it's called. Essex? Essex, yeah, Essex. It was, uh, it was, it's in the UK. So it's southern UK. Okay. Uh, his childhood would be, like, just normal- uh, except for an incident he had at nine years old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Ramsey was outside playing in the backyard, you know, just having a good time being a kid, you know. Uh, and then he began to feel strange things. Probably puberty, but, you know, who knows. <laughs> it, was de- uh, it was deep into one, like, Sunday afternoon. Uh, it, was at, it was the year was 1952. Uh, it was nice and cold outside. Uh, you got a blast of, like, an icy, cold, frigid, you know, sweep of air. That like kind of like swept over him. Uh, it froze uh, like the like it's almost like something. It just like froze up on his hand. Like you can just kind of feel it, like mm-hmm. just that coldness all over his skin and everything. And he had a foul stench stretch clo- stretch across him. Across him. Ugh. Again, going back to the demonic stuff. Yeah, that's true. The claiming a demonic possession had him at that point due to the smell and all that kind of stuff. And it's, another thing is like you seeing cold and feeling cold air. Mm. Usually leads that there's something paranormal happening, mostly ghosts, they say. Yeah. Like, if you walk into a room, you feel that cold spots is what they call them. Yeah, I've heard of those. That's, yeah, and then another part of the room is some, for some reason, like, 10 degrees warmer or a couple of degrees warmer. But then that spot, that's usually what they're talking about is, like, when you feel cold or, like, something that's cold comes over you, that's what it is. Okay. At least in the world of the paranormal. It's probably a good explanation why, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> Uh, but it was such a foul stench that it was like it caused him to like vomit because <laughs> he was Ugh. just so disgusting. But uh, the confused young ca- child of Ramsey only had uh, two things on his mind: run away <laughs> to life on the beach and and wolves. <laughs> when he had heard the distant calls of his mother, snap him out of this trance. So he's thinking about the beach and he's thinking about wolves. Uh, I think oh, I yeah. see where this is going. <laughs> oh yeah, so it's really good. It's getting better. But uh. However, uh, at that point, Ramsey had changed an intense uh, from the into like an intense pure rage had like come across, just overwhelmed him. Huh. Uh, let's see. He, what hap- What ends up happening is he ends up like going into this rage, running up to like a like fuel with adrenaline and like and strength, and just 
ran up to like a fence post and just completely ripped it out of the ground. What? <laughs> and, and the fence was still attached. Oh. Swinging it around. <laughs> like <a plug. laughs> Not even his parents like were like we're like we ain't having any of this and left it. They're not having it. They're like nope, we're not touching this with like a sixty foot pole. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, because even the, like because you got to think about it. that's like in the ground. Like it's like I don't even think like it's you know how hard it is to pull a fence pole straight out of the freaking ground because usually it's like cemented in. Yeah, right. Some even then like you got it's either got to be really loose dirt or yeah you got to have some serious strength. But again, he's nine years old and ripped a complete fence post out. And just start swinging it with like parts of the fence still attached. That's a whole different kind of fencing right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. So swinging around with his bare hands, uh, the young child like did like did make uh, next make both of the parents flee back into the house, you know, kind of scared for their life. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> While leaving him out there isolated, you know, having a fit basically. But then again, you know, if he drops the club. You can't, as a parent, you can't just go over there and stop your child. But then again, when he's seeing him with, like, otherworldly rage, do you really want to step in? Yeah. When he's got that strength. I don't know. I don't know what I, I want to say. Like, I want to say the fence is not, like, a wooden fence. It's a, it's one of those, like, wired fences. Okay. So, they ended up, like, uh, he would, like, Bill actually ended up taking the wire mesh and putting it into his mouth and began gnawing on it. What? Yeah, so now he's going full-on dog mode, just chewing anything he could. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would say the cold sensation uh, returned and uh, a, a low growl, uh, growl emitted from his deep within him. Both oh. his parents remained inside the house until the uh, parent, uh, it was apparent that their son had calmed down at this point. So they just kind of, like, let it wear off. Yeah, basically, when your kids learn a tantrum, they just kind of let them wear themselves out until they're finally done and calmed down. That's a hell of a tantrum. Same thing. Oh, yeah. No way, pun intended. Way worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, so that was pretty much it for a long period of his life. For, like, almost, I want to say, nearly 15 years uh, that it, nothing had happened. Okay. It was like, so over 15 years, like, that was the last thing that happened, uh... Not even remotely anything similar to that happened in the life of Bill, but soon will change. <laughs> he had grown up, gotten married, uh, became a father of three. Uh, the first two years of his uh, of his marriage were thought uh, marriage was thoughts were plagued by like nightmares. So, like he was just for the first two years just stuck with nothing but nightmares at night when he was sleeping. So That's... he would always wake up with like being a horrific nightmare. At least he's not waking up to a doll strangling him though yet. Yet. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's see. Sorry, I had to spray my cat because he was jumping up on my girlfriend's desk and stuff. <laughs> and get him down. <laughs> He's getting into the story. Uh, yeah, so the the first two years of the marriage, yeah, and I think it was just played by nightmares. Uh, each dream was the same, though. Mm. And the results ended up identical as well. Like, you remember them vividly. Every single night, they were the exact same thing. Mm. It's like Groundhog's Day yeah. in your dream. <laughs> He always woke up in a cold sweat and was always overwhelmed with the feeling of dread and unease. Mm. In, a, in his dream, he always felt, uh, it was in his dream, he, he has always felt a few steps behind his wife, uh, who could then turn to face him and, like, run away in extreme terror. So, so he's, like, just turn around, look at him, and be freaking out and run away from him. So he's, like, stalking her, basically. Yeah, and basically in his dream, he's just stalking his wife, almost like he's an animal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> as he would say. Ugh. Uh, and then, uh, let's see where we are. 
it was only like, and like by this point, it's like 1967 that these dreams had ended. Okay. Uh, I was like 18 months on, uh, and Bill had woken up one night to hear what he had thought was uh, painting of a wild animal somewhere in the bedroom. And he was correct. Guess what it was? Uh, the dog? It was himself. Oh, my God. <laughs> Painting like a wild animal. It was him sitting there like a dog just doing a pant. Oh Painting like, you, like a husky, you know, after being so hot. Possessed by the spirit of Snoopy. <laughs> Pretty much. Jeez. Let's see. Once again, uh, there was a, like a lull in activity, so like nothing had happened after that for a good chunk of time, and, okay. and approximately another fifteen years had gone by now. That's so weird. And so now it is uh, nineteen eighty-three, and uh, Bill was out with some friends at a local pub, and having a good time, a couple drinks, slamming them down. Yeah. After several drinks, Bill uh, began to feel somewhat icy. Okay. He had those like chills. That first uh, manifested like from each of his uh, life. Like, it's the same thing, that same feeling he got. It was, like, the same essence of being cold. Okay. Uh, he had made an excuse to head to the to the bathroom. Once he was there, he checked himself in the mirror and saw that a wolf looking th- was looking back at him. So, like, some kind of wolf-looking creature was looking right at him, too. So, like... So, look in the mirror. So, like, and, it replaced his face, or was it, like, just with him in the mirror? Um, you know, I, I guess the best way is like you know, you walk in, and you like you know, you go to like the uh, like the magic mirror, and they have that one for your face in it. Uh huh. It's kind of like that. You walk in, but you're not seeing your own reflection. You're seeing something else look at you. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. So yeah, he walks up to the mirror, you know, checking himself out, and the first thing you see is a wolf staring back at his face. Ah. And that was just a precursor to what was gonna happen on their way home. <laughs> What was in those drinks? <laughs> I think he may have had one too many and got a little too rowdy. Oh, my gosh. All right, so tell us about the ride home. So on the ride home, in the car with uh, his buddies, I think he was uh, taking a cab or something like that back. And without any warning, Bill began to growl. Uh-oh. And immediately turned to his fellow passengers, both hands twisted into, like, claws. Uh, and Ramsey tried to bite the leg of his friend. Oh, okay. Well, so we're officially into werewolf territory now. <laughs> oh yeah, just God. straight up looked to his buddy with that leg like, growling and just going like, you know what? Ah, and he just went and munched on his leg. Oh, my gosh. But don't worry. The driver of the car did not panic. Oh, good for him. <laughs> you know, this has got to be one of those nights, you know, he's used to this stuff. You know, people drunk at a bar. Somebody's going to take a chunk out of their buddy in the backseat. You know, why not? You know, yeah. we got don't panic, you know. Just a normal Brought Friday the car night. To stop. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> normal Friday night for sure. He ended up bringing the car to a stop. Uh, made attempts to get the the raging bill out of the back, <laughs> back of the car. It still took him several minutes to, and uh, quite a bit of, like, effort to finally get him out of the car. So it took him a while. Oh my gosh. And like there's he's got a couple buddies with him. So it's not like just it's just one guy. Yeah. It's just one guy. But by the time they got him out of the car, like it, the frenzy had just stopped. So he just calmed back down. Huh. And as you can see, we have a little clipping of the news article that's in there too. So you can see it and it's it's quite beautiful. Would you like to read the uh the header? Uh Werewolf seized in South End. <laughs> He fights yeah, cops yeah. on all fours. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my gosh. Uh, I just love that uh, 
that he was that my was my lover. <laughs> it was a weeping beauty. What Loon was my lover? Oh, <laughs> it's like a little article. It's just an old magazine at the time. It's the Sun. It was in the news article that uh, then people that the station that got a hold of this story was the Sun at the time. But yeah, werewolf seized in in Southern. Oh wow! Fights cops on old fours was my favorite when I saw that. Sounds like a superhero. Well, not a super, a super villain. That and uh, fur flies. Fur flies over Fergie. All right, that's enough about <laughs> the sun. <laughs> yep. So the Sun uh, News uh, paper documented the story of Bill Ramsey and uh, worse was uh, worse was to come. Of course, you know, never ends. Right. But not for uh, another eighteen months again. So as you can tell, we're already kind of getting to that. Like this, something doesn't add up. It's like every time it's like always eighteen months apart from when this stuff happens, or. 15 years later or something like that. Huh. So shortly before Christmas of uh, 1983, uh, Bill began to suffer from chest pains. He thought immediately turned uh, into a pot. He thought it was going to turn into a heart attack. That bad, so he checked huh? himself into the emergency room right away. So out of all of this, a heart attack is what scares him the most. <laughs> well, he's, it's, you know, this is not far the fact that he heart. was going savage and biting people. Well, you know, it's, it's been 18 months, you know, he's not due for another werewolf, uh, werewolf thing yet <laughs> no for sure uh, so the legal checks himself into a local hospital that was like uh and then like halfway through like a he was like halfway through his blood pressure check you know an examination when he sank his teeth into the arm of another nurse oh my gosh and then ran through the ward as a man possessed uh so he just took a just like well just like takes one little bite and then just takes off so they're like chasing him through the hospital. Straight took a chunk off the lady's arm. Oh my god! Bit into her. Runs through the whole pl- the building like a possessed man, like just otherworldly possessed man. Oh, that is so screwed up. <laughs> oh gosh. So and then the, the, there's eyewitness accounts to this too. So like it's documented. That oh was what gosh. was amazing to me. So yeah, witness would later reveal that Bill had hunched over shoulders and his hands had like curled. Into like talons or claws, you would put it, as you could say. Ugh. And like, uh, barred lip, like he was just looked like a nasty looking person almost. So like he's like, and he looked like he was like a rabbit animal is the best way you can explain. It. Like almost like his mouth was like kind of curling up and like you know showing like almost fangish. Ugh. And nobody would dare approach him. Well, no shit. <laughs> I wouldn't touch like, some that people. Thing. Had, there was people who had attempted to stop him and they were knocked down like instantly. <laughs> Wow. Because you like um, they were explained that he had like almost superhuman strength, and it took a quite a lot of people to take him down. Uh, yeah, uh, working as a team uh, with like the medical facility, like the medical staff working as a team, they uh, finally subdued uh, the rampaging man. An officer managed to uh, put uh, put him in handcuffs, uh, but still, this was not like sufficient enough. Like they, it was not happy. He was still not having it. They finally tranquilized her. Him. <laughs> so, so they, I mean. Of course they did. He's biting people. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, handcuffs, you know, holding him down wasn't enough to stop this man who had superhuman strength. Yeah, fucking put a tranquilizer dart in his I just imagine like a, I just imagine like a police sniper with a trank gun, like, sitting outside, <laughs> and they're like, take the shot, and they finally take him out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it finally put the end to the outburst he had. So, yeah, the following morning uh, after the tranquilizer had worn off, uh, and so did the... Uh, 
the original transformation he had. He basically just turned back into a normal human being. He had a hearty breakfast. Oh, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> and then uh, the attending doc- doctor had listened to the whole story and recommend that Bill remains under observation. However, he was there like voluntarily, so he could just leave if he wanted to. Ah, uh, that's because he was fully. It was like he wasn't really. It was like that. He didn't really like, you know, wasn't like in like an insane ward where they checked him in on purpose and like they meant to and he can't leave. Right. He just checked himself in. So he was free to go if you wanted to, if he was fine. Since he was just a voluntary patient. Yeah. So he just uh, checked himself out, you know, said, I'm done. I'm good here. I'm fine. It won't happen for another 18 months, you know, so we're good. So Bill uh, did say he checked himself out, uh, but was back within a span of two months. Oh, my God. In January 1984, Bill had just uh, finished a visit with his mother and began to feel an attack coming on. So he just went back to the hospital as soon as he knew this was going to happen again. Well, at least he's being, like, rational about it a little bit. You know. Yep, he went back to the hospital and made it on the exact same terms of the previous visit. Uh, atten- the uh, attending nurse was alone with uh, Ramsey in the emergency room. Oof. Terrible idea. Yep, not good. <laughs> and she was afraid for her life, so she knew this was bad. Once she had, uh, once uh, she told uh, Ramsey that she was going to go, going to go find a doctor, Ramsey threw one side and like just lunged at her. Oh, yeah. Well, they shouldn't have left her there alone. Uh, let's see. It was uh, by chance there were four police officers entering the hospital at that exact moment and immediately circled him. <laughs> uh, let's see. The officers and Ramsey had stand uh, had to stand off for a few seconds until Ramsey was snarling and growling at the four on all fours. He literally got down on all fours from just acting a wild animal. Uh, the policeman advised Ramsey, who uh, defended himself with some vigor, or advanced. I mean, yeah. Um, we so advise you to so stop they, being a werewolf. They probably say, hey, you need to stop this and advising him that this would probably be a good idea like every police officer should. Yeah. Before <laughs> making an actual physical attack on somebody. Goes up and basically just surrounds him and kind of forces him into submission. Okay. So uh, one of the four officers uh, suffered a wound so severe that he had ended up in the hospital for another four days. Oh, my gosh. So he was, like, legit fighting them. This wasn't just, like... Yeah, he was... It was not, like, no basic scuffle where, you know, there's just a couple, like, you know, get off of me, get off of me kind of things. No, he was going toe-to-toe with four cops. Wow. Whoa. And almost winning the fight is what it sounded like. <laughs> so it took all four of them to handcuff him. Of course. One man, <laughs> again, almost stopped all four cops. That's crazy. Uh, it was a, it was a short walk to, to the waiting room uh, to wait to be waiting in the squad car. So he took a short. They took him to the squad car because they were just gonna take him to the local police station at this point, saying, "Dude, you bit a cop. You're gonna probably be arrested for this." Yeah. Because I think at this point they're probably thinking he's probably like insane or something, and he needs to be checked into a mental ward. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when uh, let's see. When uh, he arrived at the local police station, they immediately summoned the, the police surgeon. Uh, the Ra- Ramsey considered the uh, suggestion of checking himself into a mental institution. <laughs> okay. But decided against it. Uh, you know, after you bit several people. Yeah. Going into, like, a werewolf kind of form, I think at that point you might be a little insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you might want to check yourself in. How could you decide? But no, I'm get- solid now. You've bitten several people, lost complete control of yourself. I mean, how do you decide against it? Yeah, you, I don't know. You, it always amazes me that, that people just go, you know what? I think I'm good now after the freaking 20th time this has happened. Yeah. Uh. 
yeah, he checked it, was thinking about it, but decided not to. Uh, he he also still had that feeling, though, that it might happen again, though. It wasn't really one of those he wasn't sure on, but he still decided against not going. Yeah, mm, that sounds like irris being irresponsible. <laughs> just, Pretty much. That's what it sounds like now, to me. Now, this is where Ed and Warren come in. Oh, great. So, Ed and Lorraine would, uh, would see that Bill's story ended up appearing on, like, a television show. Okay. Because he ended up going on a couple talk shows about it and, and just didn't have an answer to why this was happening. Hmm. Uh, Lorraine, Lorraine immediately considered that Bill was, like, immediately considered that Bill was just being possessed. For some reason, that a demon had control of him. So they got in touch uh, with uh, the Southern uh, South and on sea police, which was the station that he went to. Okay. And dis they, uh, after discussing on both sides, the Warrens obtained the opportunity to go talk to him. Okay. Uh, the Warrens negotiated with Bill Ramsey, finally convincing him to come to their church in Connecticut and undergo an exorcism with their own specialist. Bishop Rod, uh, Robert McKinnon. Or McKinnon. Yeah, so they've got their own. They've got their own bishop now. I mean, they're they're making it in pretty the world. much. If you once you yeah, have a, once you have a staff at this point, they're bishop, pretty high up. You know. Yeah, once you have a bishop on staff, you're kind of you've got it made in the shade. Just saying. So for all of you that don't have a have a hired bishop yet, um, what are you doing with your life? Sitting down playing video games, eating Doritos, you know, yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Maybe a couple hot pockets. You can have a bishop and you're sitting there eating Doritos <laughs> and playing Fortnite. Unbelievable. I found out it's like $75 to become a priest. Really? <laughs> like to take an online class to get like your license to do it and all. Well, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. And it, all it costs is you to do like a 12 page essay or something like that. That's so if you've got time, you know, take the class and let me know how it goes. <laughs> Sounds like a fun thing to do on the weekend. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah, Bill first didn't really want to go and do this trip, but decided, all right, I got to do it, and uh, made the trip with his wife. And the, by then, this was uh, 1999. 1999 or 1989? 1989. Okay, because I was like, that's another 10 years. <laughs> he waited <laughs> no, that no. long. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, 18 months. It's true. 15 years. It's you know? true. Yeah. What's the difference What's in the a difference? few months? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the night before the exorcism was uh, due to take place, uh, Ramsey uh, tried to uh, strangle his wife while she slept. Okay, so it's really acting out now. <laughs> yeah, so and then when the, the exorcism began, Bill was uh, not at all impressed with it. Like, nothing had changed. Like, he didn't feel any different. Nothing seemed to make a difference. Like, he didn't turn into a werewolf or nothing. It just It's like, okay, this is bullshit. You know, this is all fake. Hmm. So, and then once they, like, the service began conducting, like, in Latin and speaking in Latin on all four, on, uh, let's see, and four halves, uh, like, four half an hour, like, they were doing this for almost half an hour. Oh, okay. Nothing began to happen. Bill then took on an entirely different appearance. Uh, so, like, after half an hour, all of a sudden, now it's working. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's Latin, so the magic is, is happening now. Right, so. His face contorted and both of his hands formed into claws. Ah, yeah, you've got a picture here. Is that is that the an actual? That's yeah, that's the actual picture. Okay, so his contorted hands. He he just looks like he looks like he looks like a guy going yeah, <laughs> like you don't touch me kind of thing. That's the actual picture though. Yeah, that's super weird. Now I know there was a I had a picture of what he actually looked like. And he he's not at all like a good looking guy. Okay. And he kind of has like almost like a 
an animal looking kind of face a little bit and i want to say the picture also showed a little bit of his teeth and they kind of had almost like a canine look to it more sharper gotcha but then again i mean some people have sharp almost canine fangs and i mine are pretty sharp like that long almost too just naturally interesting so yeah. some people have that look their teeth are kind of like that some people don't they're more rounded out and kind of smooth gotcha but uh yeah he he's this kind of just looks more like he just is just hands kind of hooked up and is ready to attack at a chair <laughs> gotcha okay uh, yeah, he took on a different appearance. Uh, his face contorted and his claws, you know, his hands turned to claws. Uh, the bishop commend the demon to leave. Uh, the full force of the world, uh, werewolf uh, fury, like, pretty much descended and on an attack on the bishop. Okay. <laughs> and then it just disappeared. So it worked. Like, it worked, yeah. The whole thing worked. The whole event was recorded and not filmed, but we can't find it. Gotcha. Well, it's like they claim they have the whole recording, but you can, uh, there's literally nothing out there. Like I couldn't find anything on this whole thing. Yeah. Other than just a document, uh, document, like, you know, just talking about it. him, Ramsey actually himself explained what happened. Okay. As far as we got, I'm like, what there is for evidence on it. Yeah. The la this is the last one. This is the big hurrah one. The okay. one I thought was too good to pass up. Like, uh, I should have done this one right away, but it's all, it's going to be great. It's all good. Let me just real quick mark this. Cause I'm going to put a little break in here. Uh, let's see, 15808. Uh, last story. Okay. All right, take it away. All right. So now we're on to Smurl Family Haunting. Okay. <laughs> AK, where did the ghost touch you, Case? Okay, that's a really great name. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's really not many cases in the world where the ghost goes and touches you yeah. in a place you're not supposed to. That really doesn't happen, which is why people believe the story to be a completely 100% fake. Because it seems so overdramatic. Like, there is a scene, there is an actual, like, interview when they're talking and explaining what happened to them, where the husband seems really not comfortable talking about it. Yeah. And then his wife goes, oh, yeah, like, this almost happens all the time. Like, this is perfectly fine to talk about with her. Like, just, like, a normal conversation. Like, if she was asking you, hey, what'd you get at the grocery store kind of conversation. Okay. No bullshit on that. She wasn't uncomfortable at all talking about this, where he feels like it's an uncomfortable topic, like, and he just didn't, like, this doesn't, he doesn't feel comfortable talking about it, only because maybe he just doesn't believe it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, let's, so I'm going to make completely fun of them at how all this happens. Let's, let's get into this, then. Let's see what we, what we have here. So, yeah, the case, uh, this case involves demonologist, a skeptic, a priest, and an exorcist who was an experiment in the paranormal, or expert in the paranormal. Okay. Who happened to be, uh, what, hap what happened to the Smurls in, like, 1970s? Okay. So, almost sounds up like a bad lineup for a joke, you know, a demonologist skeptic and a priest walk into a bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, Janet and Jack, uh, along with their, uh, their daughters, had moved into the house uh, that was, like, uh, and moved into uh, Chase Street, uh, it's Chase Street duplex, or duplex, so it's basically a house side-by-side, side, like a townhouse. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of a fixer upper. It only cost, they got it for like 18000 That's pretty good. That's a, it's really good. Yeah, compared to what we got now. Yeah. Uh, they put efforts <laughs> into repainting, uh, retooling, repairing it, and all that good stuff. Um, and then the thing has kind of started to happen while they're doing it. So, a lot of the like, times when you remodel houses that are old like this, some things kind of just happen out of nowhere, like paranormally, mm -hmm. like because you're breaking up things that ghosts find is that this is ours and now you're ruining our place. Like, this was my house. 
what are you doing to it kind of thing. If someone just came into your place and decided, I'm going to rip your wall down. Yeah. Yeah, no, they don't. Ghosts don't like that. Don't do that. <laughs> so tools would go missing and then reappear. Uh, old wall stains would uh, speed through freshly coat paint. Okay. Uh, the kitchen appliances would catch fire. Oh, my gosh. Even though they weren't, you know, they were unplugged. <laughs> Awful odors would uh, come through the house uh, only to disappear uh, later. Uh, and toilets would just flush, you know, without them, anyone using it. So ghosts would go and take a crap and then, you know, flush the toilet for them. Right, so right. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's very, very, very polite of Slimer. Oh, yeah. Uh, at first, uh, the home seemed like just to be a good move for the family. Uh, Jack promoted, uh, was uh, promoted at work. Uh, kids were excelling in school. Uh, the law, the, the in-laws were happy because the in-laws actually moved into the other side of the house as well. Mm-hmm. So they had both families, like Harry's family and their in-laws were living in the other half. Uh, but it didn't last long. Soon, uh, they were struggling with to make ends meet. Uh, Mary, Jack's mother, had suffered a heart attack. Uh, the ghostly visits, uh, meanwhile, intensified. Uh, Mary and uh, Janet claimed that to have like perceived voices that sounded like each other, so they were hearing them when they weren't there. Ugh. Like somebody. So, Mary, let's say I would hear you in my apartment, even though you're not here. Yeah. Or you would hear me in your place, and I was, you know, I'm not there. That freaked me out pretty bad. <laughs> She would hear them calling their names. It's like you would hear each other calling each other's name. Wow. And they would also hear like loud, like almost like if they're having an argument within the place with like Jack and, and Janet were having our, our like arguments, even though they were not home. Yeah. That's so uh, two days later, uh, an icy cold like announced its arrival in the house. Like so it just like an icy cold abruptly came through the house and it was like arrived with like a black human shaped person. Oh, it was like a form. It was about five. Five nine, you know. Uh-huh. This is what kind of they describe five nine, you know, five feet tall, and you know, something like that. Uh, we had no facial features, so it's just like a black shadow. The best way you can describe it. Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's freaky. First, it appeared to Jan in her kitchen, and then it dematerialized through the wall. So it basically just walked through the wall. And then uh, from that point on, the hunting like just increased. It just got out of hand. Uh, light fixtures would fall would fall from the ceiling. Uh, it cut one of the daughters on impact. Uh, the family dog was thrown against the wall. Oh no! Uh, yeah, poor pupper, you know, <laughs> got tossed. Unfortunately, uh, Janet said uh, she was uh, picked up by an invisible president. Uh, presence. President, invisible president. Yeah, president. Yeah, <laughs> the president who's invisible came in and just picked her up. But yeah. A present uh, that was, like, invisible to the naked eye uh, picked her up uh, and then dangled her six feet in the air. Oh. And then tossed her across the room. Okay. Supposedly, though. It's only their eyewitnesses, just them. I see. And then this is where we get into the touchy stuff. Uh, Jack had claimed a succubus had entered the living room and raped him while he was watching a baseball game. What? What? (laughs) On the TV, yeah. What? What? Just chilling in your alarm, you know, your, your chair, your couch, and then all of nowhere, just uh, something comes in and rape. A succubus comes up and just rapes you. I mean, I'm like not. I, said, I don't mean to make light of it, but that <laughs> it's it seems far stretched. Like just, just you know, maybe he needs to start, you know, clenching. Wait a second! Kid. It was the <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, this is where it gets good. This That's, is, I'm not kidding. This is awful. I literally not kid you. Every article I could find goes on to talk about how Jack and Janet were both raped by the ghost. Oh my gosh. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. (laughs) 
See now, from this, paranormal there story. Is a, the movie, there is a they did a movie on this one within the Conjuring universe, but they just don't talk about this part because it's again, it just seems so far fetched. It is. It's really, it just really seems, out there. It seems so fake. Yeah, it seems way too fake. Yeah, it's and it seems like with these paranormal Ghostbuster type people, the yeah. stories just get worse and crazier the further they go, and that to me that just feels like it, it doesn't feel like they're doing like. Like, you know, you're in your life of, say you're like a nurse or something and you're helping people like you help people get over colds and flus and you, you know, stitch people up sometime, whatever, you know, put a little butterfly yeah. bandage on there. It doesn't progress like a movie. Like, it's not like you graduate as a nurse. Like you start out by, you know, giving somebody saline solution and you end your career by sewing someone's arm back on. You know, real oh, life, yeah. real yeah. life doesn't work that way. And this is sort of how it's going. It's almost like the Warrens are coming up with worse and worse stories because. Yeah, because actually at one point they actually had a, uh, when they're writing books, they had a guy who was an editor to do books for them. He was in the house and all the stuff they were telling him and the editor was like, do you guys believe this? And they're like, no, man, these guys are freaking crazy and, and just dumb, you know? Yeah. Just put some scary shit in it and call it done. That's what the, supposedly the guy who was writing it for them said. Okay. But then again, it, it sounded like that maybe they had a falling out, so he was kind of just, you know, probably bullshitting it. But, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to dismiss it, but this just sounds... It sounds so out of there. Yeah. I mean, people make up yeah. crazy stories, and I don't know. But I'm not, I'm not going to make a judgment I just on couldn't it. pass this one up because it's just so good on how all this is played out. Yeah. So... I just couldn't get over that he was, like, you know, watching baseball, and then, boom, a succubus enters the room and just, you know, has at him. I just... That just... That just... <laughs> my favorite part was when I was reading the article they didn't have a period so even when it continues as on TV you know after playing the game it says even the neighbors reported hearing screams <laughs> what so all I could picture was him screaming in the night that's terrible getting raped yeah but then then I realized no it's just because there's nobody in the house when the family was out so I'm like oh okay we're good <laughs> yeah they were actually just heard normal screaming from whatever the hell was in the house at the time uh. But uh, yeah, Janet was also uh, said she was visited by the uh, in the dead of night by a malevolent force that molested her in, the, in her sleep as well. That's uh, yeah, I don't know. But this is so everybody's getting touched. Yeah, by uh, the ghosts. You know, they literally went to counseling and uh, maybe some therapists, and the therapist probably did ask him, "Where did the angel touch you?" Yeah, uh, or probably. in this case, where did the demon did? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's just. I don't know. I I, need, I would need to look more into this before making a judgment, but it just sounds like there's something really disturbing going on here, and I don't know if it's necessarily a demon. I 100% doubt it's a demon. There actually is a the TV. There's a TV show called uh, The Haunting, and then the first episode is this case. Wow. Well, and I'm, I, it's it kind of gives you the same vibe as like it's probably fake as it can be. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me more because so, yeah. I, I want to hear how this story ends. Oh, I guess great. Uh, so in January of uh, 1986, uh, Janet heard about the Warrens uh, and decided to give them a call. The Warrens arrived uh, uh, with Rosemary. Uh, they, Rosemary, I want to say, is also another, if I remember. She's supposed to be another psychic. Okay. She was a registered nurse and uh, a psychic. So a psychic. Or psych. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, began to investigate. So they both, all, they're all there investigating the house. Uh, the team said they detected uh, a presence of like an evil spirit. So there were like, m there, there were minors, but uh, the fourth was a demon. So like there's three of them were like minors. Okay. Like minor demons? Uh, or no, like more like just minor, like like a kid. Oh, kids. okay. Minors. 
Okay. Like actual like kids, but then one of them was a demon. So there's that. That's freaky. So without any evidence though, the family uh decided to kind of like we need to do something about this and maybe kind of look into it more. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, they decided to also kind of like maybe do like a seance and kind of like maybe hold um, a blessing, but it only kept the demon at bay for so long. It was probably just dormant. Right. And then what happened also before that was that something must have sparked after like all the work they did in the house to cause like, you know, it's actually become an uproar with demons that were probably like dormant within the house as well. Mm-hmm. So all the emotion had like, you know, intensified from everything going on. And since the girls and also in the article, since the girls were probably going into puberty caused more of the problem. I'm like, I never get heard of that. Yeah, that's weird. Again, sounds very far stretched. But, you know, again, we have the famous ghost hunters. We're also thinking the same thing that this is legit. So <laughs> I mean, this is out there, man. <laughs> oh, it's really it's way out there. Uh, so, yeah, the Warrens uh, tried to like twice to induct the introduce like in to get the deuce to expose, like, the demon to expose itself. Basically, what they would do is, like, you know, what's your name to get command of it? That's what a lot of people who are doing, like, um, exorcisms do. You need the name of the demon to get it out. So if they don't get the name, they can't get it out. Um, they would play uh, tapes of religious music, uh, confronted with prayer. Uh, the demon would react by shaking the mirrors and dressers. Uh, another time by spelling uh, out, you filthy bastards, uh, get out of this house. Uh, portable TV, uh, TV, television would emit like an eerie, uh, silvery, uh, glowing, like white glow. Hmm. Almost just sounds like when you turn the TV on, that static. Yeah, that sounds like just a TV, <laughs> but I don't know. At least it's not. So, just, just don't watch baseball and you'll be fine. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, only prayer and holy wire would actually stop the manifestations. And uh, but then again, Ed was actually choked and <laughs> suffered a terrible flu symptoms from this all going on. Fair enough. Supposedly. <laughs> they, the the warrant's called Bishop Robert McKinnon again. Okay. He uh, said a mass in Latin, and he had performed, like, more than, like, 50 exorcisms with the warrants at this point. Uh, and he conducted a, like, the ritual uh, ancient rite of, uh, to infuriate the demon. Right, just because that's what you want to do. You want to piss it off before you start. <laughs> so then it started to intensify again. Uh uh, one of the daughters had fallen seriously ill, uh, and they had like a strange fever and nearly died. Oh my gosh! Uh, another one, uh, I want to say, it was Don uh, was raped by the presence as well. What? Well, they, no. <laughs> yeah. It says um, in the not script nearly. It's, yeah. So did it or did it not happen? She nearly died, and Don, I think I said the same time, nearly was raped by the presence. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> like this thing is just chasing them around while everyone. I mean. It's just like all of a sudden standing there. Oh my god, it nearly touched me, kind of thing. I want to say. Oh my gosh, that's just. Well, this is all happening. So again, again, it just seems so out there and so far fetched. It is. Oh man. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't make any. None of this didn't make any sense. It was a great read. I was laughing through the whole thing, crying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I like how you have this. This right here. Everyone was depressed. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, because uh, Janet and Mary had, like, slash marks and bites on their arms. Yeah. So everyone was depressed at this point. I would be. Uh, Ed Warren explained that they had to move to the second uh, demon. They had, like, moved over to the next uh, demonic stage, which is oppression. Mm -hmm. Which is just basically the influence of, another, of a, a person that, like, involves, like, total dom domination over the victim. Okay. Basically, the demon is just taking control of your life. Gotcha. 
which then follows an uh, infestation and followed by uh, possession. And then death. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty subtle. Yeah. Uh, so the bishop performed a second exorcism uh, in the late spring to no avail. Uh, the demon uh, even, like, accompanied the family on a camping trip. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> of course. Why not? You know, the demon, like, they're sitting there like, you know what? We're going to go camping. You know what, demon? Come, come along with us. Let's go camping. <laughs> you know, we need a break of all this. We all need to get, like, some relief, some stress. Yeah, just take a nice <laughs> demonic walk on the beach. And, like, uh, it would also, like... It would follow Jack to work and harass him while he was there. The family couldn't move to another house again. Back to when we were talking about how, you know, demons just kind of like are willing to just travel with you. It doesn't stay with the house. It kind of just goes wherever the family goes if they attach themselves to them. Ugh, that sucks. <laughs> so they couldn't move to another house uh, since the demon would just simply follow them. <laughs> yeah. After like uh, repeat, like uh, refusals from the church to help him. Uh they decided that, you know, to appear on television, which is where everything just goes south for them. Oh, because man. now they're on television and people are going to want to know what are they talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so then, and then August of uh, 1986, they felt that the uh, the risk of being ridiculed uh, like did, did not aid the, them wanting to tell their story to a wider audience. So they got like on a big talk show. Okay. And then also got, like, an independent newspaper to, like, write the book about it all. So their home became a tourist attraction now. Uh, <laughs> For the press, the curious onlookers and skeptics who wanted to and wished to investigate it. Okay. Uh, some skeptics, uh, who include some of the, the neighbors of theirs, said they believed the family was just concocting a story to, or you know, in order to get profit off the books and, like, and movie contracts. You think? Because they were talking with people to get books and movies done. They said they weren't doing it for the money, the Smurls, but... Who knows? Uh, yeah. But then again, I will definitely say money talks. Yeah, it's true. And people talk for money. Uh, and then there's Paul Kaiser. He's a chairman of a skeptic organization. Okay. Uh, the Committee for a Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. Okay. Want to write the acronym, Baron, for me? Uh, C-S-I-C-O-P, Sissy Cop? <laughs> <laughs> Sissy Cop. <laughs> Yep, uh, it was in Buffalo, New York. Uh, he sought to investigate, but it was uh, basically the warning in the fan, the family of the place, just say, "Yeah, you're not coming here." <laughs> they decided you're not allowed. Yeah. But the the but the uh, the 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 committee of that you know that organization had sent two investigators, uh, and they went to the house, uh, but immediately were denied entrance by uh, by them. Uh, he the uh, Paul later went on like wrote an article for uh, Skeptics Inquirer. Uh, in journal that the case was not paranormal and it was probably just them coming up with bullshit. Yeah. And said that they denied him access into the house and uh, they were afraid of what the organization would discover. Hmm. Uh, he decided that, uh, he cited that uh, it may be that their accounts of what happened was kind of just garbage. Yeah. And just a load of hoax. And was making, making pretty much fun of the Warrens for making them think that this is all real. Yeah. Yeah, and that that there is probably some natural, and he also goes on to say there's probably some natural like explanations of what the uh, phenomenon and experience by the Smurls was. Uh, some of them were uh, there was a, a like uh, abandoned mine voids in the area that was settling and creating like strange noises, so that could be one. Hmm. Uh, the delusions that Jake uh, uh, Jack uh, was raped by the ghost. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a broken sewer pipe probably causing the the foul smells, which would make sense for that too yeah and then 
pranks by teenagers. How about the how about my favorite one of all that you don't have on this list? Um fraud. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> yeah, percent was definitely should have been added though. Yeah. Wow. So then uh at this point, uh Paul also pointed out there was no police record of uh complaints by the haunting by uh the Mrs. Smurl mm-hmm. or Janet. Uh though she had uh contacted police supposedly. So the police said that, yeah, this never happened. They never contacted us about any of this. Yeah, they, so they don't have any records of this. It's just her word. Yeah, and he also said that he goes on to talk about how he believes that he is more one, wondering if it was like motivation. It was more motivation for them to make money on the case. Yeah. Since uh, the family began talking with Hollywood Film Company shortly after they broke the story to the press. Yeah, that's that's clear. That's right there. That's the- And then that's when they said they denied any interest in money. Yeah, that's right. Right there when you get a deal or try to get a deal with Hollywood. Um, that's when I, I go, you know, I tap out. That's it. Yeah. Not uh, and then, uh, what makes it worse is Ed actually raises more doubts with reporters and skeptics. During a press conference he called in, uh, late August. Yeah. Uh, Warren said that, uh, he had recorded, uh, paranormal sounds, groans, and grunts, and had, had videotaped an unclear image of a dark moving, uh, mass about, I mean, moving about the house. Uh, asked, they were, like, asked to produce the, basically to produce this film, and he said no. Of or course. He didn't really say no, but he said that he had sent it to another a television company, but he doesn't remember who he, what it was. Okay. Like who he gave it to. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't remember the name of the company that, uh, that he gave the tapes for. Because you so just basically forget. basically told him, no, I don't have the tapes, but you're not going to see them. Yeah, it's a, just a, I sent them to a TV company. Which one? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, let's see, uh... He also talked about, um, let's see. There were also like exclusive, like uh, reporters that were there and, uh, and present like also the church was also part of it. However, the authorities later said that nothing had been, in, been turned over them. So the church authorities said that they never got any of it either. Cause I think they said they gave a copy to the church. Okay. Church says they never got it. So they have no idea what the hell he's talking about. All right. So the, the uh, looks well, like the also jig declined, is up. The war- yeah, pretty much. The Warrens also declined that the reporter, uh, the reporter's request to uh, stay in the house. So, like, if the one of them asks, can we stay here? And he's like, no. <laughs> you can't. You're not allowed to now. Uh, saying that uh, no one had paid attention uh, when they begged for media to help and, like, send someone to stay the night and witness the phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And such requests now are out of the question. Uh, Warren said the Smurls will no longer deal with uh, the press. Uh, and, and he was in charge of the case. So, just sitting there going, no, you're not allowed now. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're, you don't care about him before? I am the only one who can. Yeah. You can't now. Yeah. You don't steal my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, the bishop arrived again to do a third exorcism of the house. That's not going to work. <laughs> in September. Actually, but this time the ritual seemed to be effective. Of course. Out of nowhere. Yeah, because it didn't work the first two <laughs> times. Sometimes the charm. Yep. And now that the tapes are all gone, it worked. Oh my gosh. It's all gone. Wow. There were no disruptions for about three months uh, prior to Christmas. Uh, Jack again saw the black mask. So again, it, now it didn't work. <laughs> so out of nowhere again, it doesn't work. Uh, Becking him to the, the third stage, which is uh, possession. He clutched his rosary, prayed, and hoping that it was an isolated incident. But, you know, banging noise, terrible smells, and then violence started again. And then that's when they just said we're done and moved out. I mean, it, you know. It took years of getting molested and having your family molested to move out of this house where they're all allegedly getting molested. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't buy so, it. So yeah, you can find the book that's actually based off. Like this is all written for. It's called The Haunting. Uh, it was. So yeah, and then there's a TV show called The Haunting, and the first episode is this this case. Yeah, you mentioned and it's that. It's just as outlandish. So yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, the family moved out. You know, and pretty much after that, things had kind of stopped and it was ceased to exist. And then there was a film version of the movie as well called The Haunting that I released in like 1991. So if anybody's curious, there's a film for you to watch. But it's not the actual tapes that they sent to the church and anonymous television station. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, now we're at the end of the rope. The end of the rope. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Ed's just barely clinging on at this point now. Okay. So on uh, the 23rd of August of 2006, Ed Warren had passed away in his house. Hmm. Uh, he was 97 years old at the time of his Hang death. Hang on, uh, 79 or 97? Uh, my bad, 79. <laughs> I'm ahead of myself. Not enough coffee, right? You know, I just woke up. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I feel that. So, in five years leading up to his death, uh, and his health was, like, deteriorating. Uh, this was, like, uh, he, this was after he allegedly had collapsed in, like, 2000 when he was opening the door to let his cat in. Okay. Which was a black cat, by the way. Of course it was. Of course. Uh, even though the uh, paramedics were able to restart his heart, uh, he, he was he was he was in a coma for about eleven weeks. Man, even after he got out of it, he kind of was just more of like almost a vegetable. Man, so he lived for like another five years after that, and that's when he passed away. Hmm. Uh, his son-in-law uh, Tony, uh, who was also a paranormal research, said that uh, they said that at the hospital he wouldn't uh, make it through twenty-four hours. Uh, he had such strength and will, he wanted to stay. Hmm. So he made it when he was doing all that. So he had the strength to do it, but you know, just unfortunate what happened. Yeah. Uh, a portion of uh, from his uh, obituary reads: "I'll be knowing I'll be going into a beautiful place, a place so uh, spectacular it defies words. Hmm. It defies words. I mean. Yeah. Well, Maybe. and then on <laughs> several years later, you know, actually pretty close uh, on the 18th of April of 2019, uh, Lorraine passes away in her sleep. She was stated to that she had died at her home, you know, and uh, in Connecticut. She was 92 years old at the time. Uh, let's see. On uh, face on their Facebook page, it was put that with set with deep sadness uh, that I must announce because this was uh, another again the son-in-law mm-hmm. announced that Lorraine had uh, passed away. She had died peacefully in her sleep at home last night. Thus, the two have commi- uh, contributed significant uh, to the paranormal studies in their own capacities. Yeah, I mean, but those are just, probably a lot of fraud. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it's when you get into this stuff, it's like what bothers me about it is there's definitely something to paranormal stuff, definitely t- something to hauntings and demonology and all that stuff, but it's so easy to be fraudulent about it. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just too easy. Um, yeah, and that doesn't mean I'm dismissing everything that the Warrens did, but like some of those no. Th- some of those stories were just like just out there yeah but hey i mean yeah, that's the whole point it's, it's halloween yeah it's <laughs> halloween and also it's kind of like you know everybody has their own experience as well but some stuff like that like there's a few people who say they've you know been touched by a ghost like that and it just and those are usually just a lot of garbage yeah it's more of the ones that i was talking before people kind of like seeing things uh ghost orbs um being harmed by something that they physically can't, you know, explain. Yeah. More of like violence, like, but not really being raped. I guess is what I would put it. Like, 
there's not many things I've ever read or heard about within that happening. Well, the Devils of Ladun, you know, which we mentioned earlier, like a lot of the nuns claimed that there was a very sexual element to all that was going on there. But, you know, that's a highly, like, sexually charged um, um, place to, like, kind of environment, I guess. Like, you're focused on being chased. You're focused on not acting out or anything like that. So, yeah, when act when action when acting out occurs, like it gets kind of wild kind of fast. And it's always attached to the subconscious and um, the denial of uh, self-indulgence, basically. So, you know, I could mm-hmm. I could see that a lot of this so-called demonic stuff could be attached to, you know, a lot of like bizarre sexual behavior. I don't know. Um, I'm not an expert yeah, or anything. I- I was, I mean, where am I? And I was like always tempted to maybe see if, like, if I could find a class to go in, like, when I was in college to become like a professor and like, or a doctor in demonology kind of stuff, just uh-huh. for shits and giggles. Um, I can't find anything around here, but I know there's a couple that are, you know, a couple states away that could do it. Yeah. I mean, the clo- closest thing. It depends thing. if the classes are there. They mostly kind of like come and go. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, I've listened to enough paranormal stuff at work and I've listened to enough, uh, bizarre weird stuff to know when one of these stories you know when it hits the mainstream and it's got a hollywood movie about it you know it's probably not real in a lot of ways yeah i say they wrote a lot of books about all their ventures and stuff and a lot of it just seems too good to be true or they have supposedly all the evidence in the world but they yet they refuse to release it yeah and and you know i've i i used to watch ghost hunters for fun all these, you know, years ago. Oh, I, I love that show it's, still. <laughs> it's a hilarious show, but like they did their live, good, yeah. they did their one live show with the Dybbuk box or whatever. Um, and that was such a scam. Like, like it was obvious that, you know, this is just entertainment. Don't take it too seriously. Um, yeah. And it's good. It's fun entertainment. Like I, I really like that show because it's just, you know, it's, yeah, it's just a good, it's it, got something fun to watch. It's hilarious. You know? But you know, then there, there really is, um, something real, in a way, I think about um, this paranormal stuff that is separate from all of that, right? And when you yeah. when you really dig a little bit deeper and you find that, you can tell that there's something legit going on because it's not sensational. It's just, you know, no one's making any claims about this is a spirit, this is a thing. It's like, this could be something, Um and this is very strange, and here's the documentation we have of it, but we're not going to conclude that it's definitely a demon and we need to play with a Ouija board to get it fixed, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I don't know. But, man, thanks for sharing these stories with us. Uh, I, I guess I guess I'll just take my inherited not script and go back up to the surface. <laughs> you, no can, you can stay here. <laughs> No, man, we already pulled out a Ouija board and, you know, on the crystal orb, you know, that kind of find, helps us find ghosts. I ain't staying here. I'm out. Okay, well, it's, I, think, I think with that, then, we'll just jump on this old elevator and head back up to the surface. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> Let's get out of here. So, Aaron, yeah. if you had a ghost in your house, what would you do? Uh... If I had a ghost in my house, um, I think my first step would definitely be to light some candles. And uh, is it, I don't remember what the game is by Hasbro. Is it, is it uh, Monopoly that you play with the ghost? Well, I think that would, if you played Monopoly with the ghost, um, that would piss it off a little bit as long as you kept winning. And then 
what you do is you buy all of the properties in the game and then the ghost can't move in. And then you've made a homeless ghost, which is better than having a ghost in the house. I don't know. I'm really shooting from the hip here. What would you do if you had a ghost in your house? Uh, I don't think I would do Monopoly only because there's a moment in time where it might enrage and flip the board and just make us not play the game anymore because it's that upset. True. Mm, I think I would uh, probably just pull out the good old Luigi board (laughs) and probably just say and spell out go away. That would do it. And then just leave the house entirely because I pulled out a board that you should never touch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whenever someone says Ouija board, I just think of the Ouija meme. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's like you just hear in the distance the echoey reverberating voice of Luigi. That I also think of like Linguini whenever that I hear too. That. The Linguini board. The Linguini board. <laughs> I could use a Linguini board. It's way past lunch. I'm I'm getting kind of hungry. So yeah, me too. <laughs> I think on that note, it's time to bring the show to an end for today. If you hate us, you probably still have ghosts in your in your mind or in your house or in your shoes. So consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. Or if Patreon is not your thing, you can always drop us a little tip in Venmo. That's at WTADP. Our cover art was created by Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. Um, <laughs> you can view more of his wonderfully whimsical work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. And with all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of Demons from the Werewolf Beyond play you out. Open the door or I'm going to throw rocks through your windows, you dumb whore. Want the money? I'll raise enough hell till you give in and give it to me. (laughs) Go kill yourself. Nobody likes you. Everybody hates you. You would be better off dead. Just go kill yourself. You're not helping me much. And if you don't help me much, I can't help you.